Welcome to Hoopsville, everybody. I am your host, Dave McHugh. It's another week of Division Three basketball to cover, and we hope you'll enjoy the time here on the show. Two hours of it ahead. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we are streaming live uh, as we have become accustomed. Um, you can follow us on Instagram as well, though that's mainly for promotional reasons, at D3Hoopsville there. Uh, of course, the hashtag there as well is Hoopsville, um, the standard quo for the entire show. Um, Hoopsville mailbag segment, didn't have it last week, didn't get any questions. If you got any questions this week, send them to us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Uh, you can send them when we're not on the air. It's designed for many, many of you who may be podcast listeners who want to get us questions. Uh, send them our way. We will get them on the air when we get the opportunity. Um, lots to talk about in Division Three. Forgive me, as I have some kind of sinus cold that uh, you may hear in my voice, and those watching may notice uh, a little bit as well. Uh, forgive me, we'll, uh, we'll get through it, as it were. It's been bothering me for a week. It may bother me for a little longer. It is what it is. Um, lots to talk about in Division Three. First and foremost, lots of upsets, and we'll certainly discuss those. Um, we're probably going to be taking a, an understandable step away from the Stevens Point story. Don't want to belabor it too much more. Um, but when we do have more stuff, we will certainly bring it to you as well. Lots to, to, to figure out in Division Three basketball. Let's start on the men's side, and I will take this quote from a very well-respected member of the D3 boards, Gregory Sager, He's, he writes this evening, one half of the top 10 lost this past week. A couple of them lost twice. 10 of the 17 receiving votes lost this past week. Four of them lost twice. Have fun, pollsters. He's right. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Let's look at what's happened. If you haven't known, Rochester lost today. They lost to Wash U, 81-76. Wash U had to come from behind yesterday, and uh, Rochester had to come from behind, not yesterday, I apologize, Friday in their previous game. Um, but it was too much to handle as Rochester lost to Wash U. That was at the Palestra, which is significant. Amherst would love to have a do-over weekend on the men's side. Lost to Wesleyan, 73-59 on Friday and then lost to Connecticut College yesterday on Saturday, 83-76. Question posed amongst us on the D3 Hoops side is, how much will Wesleyan now roller coaster? You might remember they were pretty high-ranked and then dropped out as high as nine before losing three in a row. Now they beat Amherst and they beat Trinity, if memory serves. Of course, I say that a little haphazardly, realizing I may have gotten that wrong. Um... I'll double-check it. Um, they'll obviously come flying back into the top 25, but where? I think voters will be a little bit more cautious. Yeah, they beat Trinity 65-61. Amherst, in the meantime, will fall. My prediction is maybe to about 15 off of two losses. The problem is so many teams are losing, there's, there's going to be a point where Amherst can't fall much further. Um that's the top five. Um, Babson won their two games. Whitman won their two games, including handling Puget Sound a 20-point uh, defeat. Um, Tufts beat Middlebury um, and beat Hamilton. 
River Falls beat Whitewater and Stevens Point, beating Stevens Point by a scant point. So Whitewater take. We'll talk about Whitewater in a minute. Whitworth beat Puget Sound and Pacific Lutheran to remain at thirteen and two. And St. Norbert beat, beat Illinois College and Monmouth. Eau Claire took a loss to Oshkosh, 60, uh, 70 to sixty-two. Um, a little bit surprising there. Eau Claire in the top ten will fall out. Susquehanna lost to Scranton. And we'll get a little bit more to Scranton in a minute. Salisbury lost to York, 78-74 at York. Not a good loss for the Seagulls, who've now picked up their third loss of the season. Ramapo and New Jersey City played an awesome game. Number 13, Ramapo against number 24, New Jersey City. New Jersey City won 76-71 in overtime. That is Ramapo's first loss of the season. So now two top uh, two teams who were undefeated walking into the weekend have were, were, were dinged, uh, Rochester and Ramapo. Um, I have no reason to move either of these two teams, in my opinion. Gordon called that game for New Jersey City, and it certainly looks like it went well. Benedictin took its first conference loss in forever. Uh, Concordia, Wisconsin beat them 83-80. I will be very interested to see how voters treat that. I think Benedictin including myself, has been has been buoyed by the fact that they've dominated their conference. I do wonder if the loss of Concordia, Wisconsin, may take the air out of that balloon a little bit. Will they fall out of the top 25 at 14 and 11-4? I don't know. Middlebury, as we mentioned, lost to Tufts and beat Bates. Swarthmore would love to have the week back. Um, barely survived against McDaniel 65-60 earlier in the week, then lost to Hopkins 70-52, to and then lost to Franklin and Marshall 83-66. to Swarthmore, I suspect, will tumble tumble out of the top 25. Newman lost to Rutgers Newark. We mentioned that, I thought, I think on Thursday's show, recovered to beat Immaculata and Centenary. We did reach out to the Newman head coach, see if he could be on the show tonight. Uh, unfortunately, apparently he had plans all day and was unable to join us. We'll see if we can talk to the Newman uh, program at a later date. Uh, other losses, Whitewater at 21, lost to River Falls and Platteville. They now lost three games in the last two weeks. Um, I thought Whitewater, I was surprised Whitewater stayed in the rankings in the first place. I think they'll come out of them now. Illinois Wesleyan lost to Augustana, then beat Carthage as the CCIW turns. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what to make. Hi, I had started to vote for Carthage. I, I, I don't know what to think of the CCIW now. We're going to have to... Touch base with some friends and find things out. New Jersey City, as we mentioned. Oh, by the way, New Jersey City uh, lost to Stockton earlier in the week and then beat Ramapo. So in New Jersey City, kind of in an interesting scenario. And one of those rare things, Claremont Mud Scripps, who's number 25, didn't even play this week. Receiving votes, Carthage lost. Ripon lost to Monmouth. Wartburg lost two. They're now 11 and five. They lost to Buena Vista and Central. Emory lost to Washu before beating Chicago. Hamilton lost to Bates and Tuff. St. Thomas lost to St. Olaf. Williams lost to Bowden. Chicago had a horrible weekend, losing to Rochester and Emory. Maryville lost to Greensboro and lost to Methodist, only beat Covenant. And Stout lost to Stevens Point before beating Lacrosse. It's all on the men's side, folks. It was one of those weeks. Uh, quickly on the women's side of things, a little less, but a little bit more active per the women's side. Less than the men, but more active than on the women's side. You had Montclair, who lost to TCNJ, which was kind of surprising. Wash U lost to Rochester. Um, I, I think more surprising here is that, one, Rochester was 23rd. I think that was a, a little bit of a slight towards Rochester, but... That WashU has lost two of their last four games, which is kind of the surprise here. And they lost by 14 to Rochester at Rochester. So the men trip up Rochester for WashU, but the women do not 
And Rochester returns the favor. Trinity, Texas lost to Texas Lutheran. That's an interesting result. Texas Lutheran's been a bit of a thorn in the side of Texas, Trinity, Texas, and they lost by seven today. Whitman uh, lost to Puget Sound. I would love to tell you I'm shocked by that, but I'm not. Uh, Whitman taking their first loss of the season, losing in overtime to Puget Sound, 73-71. Whitman's a good team, but we saw Puget Sound out at the D3Hoops.com Classic, and we thought very highly of them. Uh, Messiah took their first loss of the season, losing to Albright at home, 85-82. I have said that the Mac um, Commonwealth was going to be tough between Albright, Messiah, and Stevenson, that Messiah was not going to walk away with this conference. That has certainly been proven here. And as we discussed on Thursday with Matt Donahue, Donahue of uh, Catholic, that the region in itself is extremely deep. When you look at how many conferences, except for the Centennial, are three or four teams beat deep. The Centennial is probably two teams deep, maybe three. I am not as confident with it, but the Commonwealth is three teams deep. The Landmark is potentially four, maybe I'd say four teams deep. The CAC is four, even five teams deep uh, at the top. It's really impressive. Rochester, we talked about that win over Wash U. Well, they had lost to Chicago to start the weekend. So interesting weekend in the UAA across the board. Uh, in receiving votes, Stockton, who we mentioned, lost to Stevenson. We mentioned that on Thursday. Well, they followed that up with a win over New Jersey City and a loss to Kane. So Stockton... Not having a great week, but we'll learn more about them later in the show. NYU had a busy week. They beat Cortland by 20, then lost to Case Western Reserve, and then lost to Carnegie Mellon. I told you, interesting times in the UAA, especially on the women's side. Albright lost to Amherst, as we mentioned, then came back to beat Lycoming, and then, as we mentioned, came back to beat Messiah. Baldwin-Wallace lost to Ohio Northern. Case Western Reserve, after the win over NYU, lost to Brandeis. Ugh, the UAA is crazy. And Elizabethtown lost to Catholic before beating Susquehanna. So a lot going on uh, in, in the women's side for a change, to say the least. Now, you may notice I'm wearing a Goucher basketball shirt. Many of you know I'm a Goucher alum. I've been in a public address announcer now in my 22nd season for Goucher. And the reason I'm wearing it, every once in a while you'll see me wear it anyway because I'm grabbing a polo to wear more than anything. I'll grab anybody's polos that I may have uh, access to, as it were. Well, I'm wearing it tonight on purpose, though. <coughs> Excuse me. Catholic or uh, Goucher's men's team beat Scranton last night for the first time in program history. They were 0-18 going in. Um, they nearly knocked off Scranton last year, if you remember, when Scranton was, I want to say, number five, maybe number nine in the country. Uh, Scranton needed an 8-0 run and a lot of timely free throws and misses, uh, free throws by Scranton and misses by Goucher to win last year. Well, it didn't work out this time. Goucher won. The only real reason I bring this up, and I again, it ends an 0-18 stretch there for Scranton over Goucher. On the women's side, by the way, it's 0-20. By the way, not the worst records against Scranton. You have to go check out the Drew women's basketball team for that record. The reason I bring it up, though, was the moment afterward, Right in front of me as I'm, I'm wrapping things up as a public address announcer, I noticed Carl Danzig was taking the time to congratulate every single one of the Goucher players. He was also taking time to, to recognize each one of the staff members. It wasn't a simple handshake, great job, and moving on. He was taking the time to look each one in the face, in the eyes, say something to that individual about the game, etc. I did reach out to Carl and 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 say that I was impressed with that moment. It's not something I do, um, mainly because I don't know if it's my place necessarily as one who covers the, the division, not to mention as a public address announcer, 
sometimes those moments are to themselves and I don't want to interfere. But I did re- reach out to Carl and tell him I was impressed with that moment. And he and he said I was correct. That's what he was doing. He realized the moment for the Goucher program and he realized the moment on the floor. And again, the only reason I bring this up is it's a coach doing something to recognize the opponent, understanding the magnitude of that game. It's something that is not necessarily isolated to Division Three in any way, shape, or form. But when I hear about things like um, bad sportsmanship elsewhere, I want to take the moment to recognize those things, and I want to recognize Carl Danzig at, at Scranton for that moment. It was certainly impressive. Um, and I think, I hopefully, those at the Goucher program can appreciate what Carl did in that moment to recognize a team despite the loss. Uh, another real interesting moment in that game is I thought it was a really a well-officiated game. Uh, there was a moment uh, Goucher coach got a, a warning at one point for for you know pushing with the refs, um, verbally pushing, no physical physical pushing. Late in the game, one of Goucher's players who clearly didn't like a call, don't know why he was arguing, but he was, uh, got a, a verbal warning from the officials. Later in the game, Catholic, excuse me, as my cold is definitely bothering me, um, Catholic. Catholic, I keep saying Catholic. Catholic's coming up on Wednesday for Goucher. That's why they're on my mind. Scranton uh, player got a foul late in the game, about 50 seconds left. It was a blocking foul. It was the right call. He didn't like the call, said something. Don't think he used them any magic words, and the ref teed him up. Though the ref immediately went to his partner, they had a conversation. He came over and rescinded the technical foul. And before you ask any questions, he's allowed to do that. I think it was a good moment of the officials understanding that warnings had been given elsewhere. It was a heat of the moment. And a technical really wasn't worthy. It may have just been an initial reaction by the official. There were a lot of things in that game that I appreciated, and I just want to point those things out and take that opportunity. So let's talk about what's coming up ahead on the show today, as obviously we have a few things. First and foremost, um, we will get things going with the WBCA Center Court here in a few minutes. Carol Zhu from Chapman will be joining us. You may not realize this, but for the best of our um, research, she is the only Chinese-American coach in the entire NCAA basketball spectrum. Well, outside assistant coach, I should say head coaches. We will talk to her about that. She's been honored for this as well, her playing career and where it's gone to coaching career and why it's so important for her. We'll talk to her coming up in the WBCA Center Court. William Peace men's basketball making waves in the USA South only a few years into their program's history. Claude Shields will join us to talk about the Pacers. G.P. Gromacki from the number 2 Amherst women's basketball team will be on to talk about his team. What looks to be a fascinating NESCAC race on the women's side this year. And the game ahead against Tufts? Didn't say much, but we'll get more on it. But have you noticed how good the Amherst defense has been this year? We'll talk in depth about that. Mark uh, Bianborn of Augustana Women will join us as well to talk about his team. Can they finish on in the top half of the CCIW since the first time since 2003? And can the Vikings win the conference for the first time since 1993? Tough times on the Vikings women's side, but maybe they turned the tide. We'll talk to Coach coming up about that. And then we'll get an Atlantic report from Ira Thor, New Jersey City Sports Information Director and friend of the program. Ira will come on and give a breakdown mainly of the men's side, but we'll dabble into a few women's side things as well coming up here on the show. Get in the mailbag if you have the moment. We'll talk 
and answer your questions as well. Remember, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Lots of other things to talk about in Division Three, certainly, um, and we don't always get a chance to cover it, but remember on Thursdays we try and focus on the Northeast, the Atlantic, the South, and the Central regions, whereas on Thursday shows we tend to focus on the East, the Mid-Atlantic, the Great Lakes, and the West regions. However, if you have a question in general, ask it away. We'll certainly want to know more about it. Uh, and do our best to answer your question as well. You've been listening to Hoopsville. We're going to take a break. When we come back, the WBCA Center Court segment with uh, head coach Carol Zhu of Chapman. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Princeton. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We're early on in this Sunday broadcast. If you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Of course, we're Facebook Live uh, broadcasting the show as well, and we hope you're enjoying that production as well. Uh, friend, uh, Someone on the, listening to the show, Patrick, says, agreed Whitewater should drop out of the poll this week. I agree, too. Three losses in two weeks on a team that I hadn't really played much in the in the uh, non-conference to really impress me, at least. Listen, they were undefeated. I get that. That's impressive. But their only significant win was to a Rippin squad. And it's not a knock on Rippin, but that isn't the most impressive thing I've seen. 
Um, and now they've lost, what, three of their four to start conference play. So I think Whitewater will probably jump out of the poll as a result of it. Um, also, I got another uh, comment from a friend of mine. The Centennial Conference, not as deep. Uh, you know what? I was probably being kind. It probably is a two-conference race at this point. Uh, probably not much deeper than that. Uh, I certainly can't disagree with that assessment, um, but at the same time, maybe just trying to be a little bit kind. So, nonetheless, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Now time for the WBCA Center Court segment. Of course, this is a segment, again, brought to you by the WBCA, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We appreciate them taking the time. To support this show, it certainly has been a great um, organization with us the last couple of years. And this is a chance for us to talk to coaches, not necessarily about what they're doing on the court, but um, maybe what they're doing off the court, what they what they find important, not only with the X's and O's, but what they're doing with their student-athletes or what they're doing in their communities. gives us a chance to maybe talk to coaches we don't normally talk to as well, or at least discuss things we don't normally discuss with them. One of them that we got from the WBCA certainly caught my attention. It is Carol Zhu, head coach of the Chapman Women's Basketball Program. By all accounts and by all research, she is the only Chinese American head coach in the entirety of Division Three basketball, or I should say NCAA basketball. Well, this seemed like a no-brainer to us, so we go to the Hoopsville Hotlines. Brought to you by the City of Salem, and Carol Ju joins us there. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. First and foremost, seven and seven on the season, but more importantly. Four and one in conference play. You've got to be thrilled with how you've responded. The teams responded to to starting things off in conference action. Well, you know me. I don't know, but I I always want better. I always want better. <laughs> I, that's just ingrained in me. I you know it took a tough loss last night. We just didn't hit our free throws, and Oxy played well. So. Yes, yeah. Unfortunately, a lost Occidental seventy four sixty six. I do get the sense that you want you want better. Um, that is why maybe that this program has been so successful under your leadership for so many years. It's it's hard to not find a twenty win season um, in the group. Granted, you've had a couple of non twenty win seasons thrown in the into the mix. But um, what has been the secret to the success for you? Uh, we focus on defense, and it's. 40 minutes of full-court pressure. Uh, we just got to make everybody tired because we're not the tallest, but we are fast, and we just try to give the other team a different look for 40 minutes. So that's what we – that's been the model, I guess the philosophy you would say, just to get teams tired in a minute where it used to be, a uh, minute, you know, 30-30 now. Now, fourth quarter, you can't make the decisions that you could make in quarter one and two. Yeah, certainly the quarter decisions uh, or the, the way the game has been has been changed a little bit. I said it changed your coaching style in any way. Now that we're at this quarter, the timeouts are different. The fact you might want to hold on to timeouts to take advantage of the moving the ball up the court um, in the last minute has it changed how you coach? Um, not quite yet. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, but yeah, I do hoard those timeouts if we don't have media's where you really want to make sure you have that last minute. Where you do, where you can advance the ball, which is a pretty good thing to have, you know, um, that you can you can draw up a half court quick hitter. So I, I like that part of it. I like how you're leaving out the or leaving the opportunity out there that there is a chance you may change your coaching style, but you just haven't quite gotten there yet. You know what? Until I get 
a six two six three. I may change it, but you know what? It's fun watching uh, the kids go up and down the floor, and then you can play more kids. Yeah. So, and that's the point, right? You you want to give an opportunity as you can to as many kids on your team. You definitely don't have a tall team. You have a couple of players at five ten. Otherwise, everybody else is pretty much in that five five to five seven uh, uh, stretch of heights. Um, so you do have to kind of go with a different mentality. Yeah, obviously, defense is what you stress, but on the offensive end, how do you? How do you? What's the game plan for you guys to take advantage of whatever opportunities? Since it isn't necessarily on paper a high-low game. Well, it's a transition. Transition. Your defense creates your offense. That's what you got to do. And you know, you you just gotta get them on their heels. Find the where they're trying to rest, where they're trying to take a moment. That's where we got to say, hey. They're backpedaling. That's where you got to attack them. And that, I think that's the little things that we can do where I think teams take that break. We're saying we're not going to let you take a break. That's where we're going to have our opportunities. Talking to Carol Jewhair, head coach for the Chapman women's basketball team. Team is 7-7 seven and seven on the season, but as we said, more importantly, 4-1 and one in the conference. Uh, they sit uh, a half game behind Occidental, tied with Cal Lou and uh, Claremont Mud Scripps um, in that conference race. Coach, obviously you know this conference extremely well. You pl- uh, played at Claremont Mud Scripps when you were a player, and you've obviously coached here at Chapman, who was in out of the conference for a while and then into the conference. How do you see this year's uh, season shaping up the rest of the way? Well, I I always say, and people say, oh, are you rebuilding? I never, I don't say we're ever rebuilding. We're always going to be in the top four. I don't care. We we just ingrained that into our program that we don't settle for anything less. Really, in my mind, top two, but I tell them top four. Um, I, I always want to say you, you set your destiny. You, you win the Sky Act so you can have a chance or be in the top four so you have a chance to go to the playoffs. Because as an independent, we used to go all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was a nice thing. And I want, for me, it's more about letting the kids know what that feeling is about. You know, to know what it feels like to go to the dance and to be able to play other schools in other states. That's what it really is. It's an interesting point of view. Obviously, uh, where you're located, you end up being isolated and you're sent somewhere, whether it's to the Northwest or to Texas or somewhere along the lines. It's hard to sometimes gauge how good or or not good the Skyac teams are considering where you're located. But I love the idea that you say there of giving the chance for these student-athletes to go somewhere else in the country and play. Um, mm-hmm. that, that is, is that... Obviously, that drives the season, so you can be in that situation. But how how great would it also be to maybe make a run in the NCAA tournament? I, you know what, that's that's the actually ultimate, the bigger picture. Yeah. So before, as an independent, we say, hey, we can't lose more than three to four games, and if you do, you know, you shot yourself in the foot, and that mm. rarely did happen. And then now you're saying, hey, if we can, we could really you try to win it, and then you try to say, hey, let's get a little bit further because you'd like to know what it's like to be in that final four. I mean, that's an ultimate for me. That would be what I would really strive for. And that's the hands of playing a bunch of top 10 teams this year. Like you're going to talk to coach GP Mm -hmm. and Hey, they're one of the best teams I've ever seen in the nation. They're, they're tall, they can shoot and they can play D and they're fast. I I mean, that was a good game for us to measure ourselves. I was going to say, you uh, you saw them, and interesting enough, you're one of the two highest scoring games that they've allowed at 62 points, 
And I say this with all respect, you only lost by 17. They've been blowing teams out by 39. Um, that was a good test for your team, and you actually played pretty well against them. What, what did you find that worked? Well, we, the pressure. And mm. uh, we, we just had, you know, they're great shooters, and we tried what we could to stop them. But, you know, we're with, within 10, within striking distance, and still trying to find our, ourselves in that, that point. Um, but I thought we gave them a good game, and uh, it, it gave us a little sense of, uh, hey, we could play with anybody in the nation. Yeah, we may but... not win at that moment, and we didn't, but <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought, you know what, um, we can play. Mm-hmm. And you want to play the best in the nation uh, to measure yourself, to gauge yourself. And, and as a coach saying, am I in the right direction? Mm-hmm. Right? So that's what I was trying to measure up. You know, and I played at Claremont back in the day where it was not an automatic bid. You had to win it. Yeah. And uh, so I I understand the Division Three philosophy and the competitiveness, and that's what, uh, like you said, to win at go for a tile, yes, that is an ultimate goal. Um, let's talk a little bit about your team, and then I want to come back and talk about your 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 history and, and how you got into coaching. But first off, Megan Charles, your senior, leading the way at fifteen and a half points a game and five rebounds a game. Um, second on the team is Jamie Hum Nisicato. I hope I said her last name correct. Uh, Good, junior. Good. Thank you. Eleven and a half points mm-hmm. a game, um, and certainly you know, one of the top um, handlers of the ball. Um, is it J.F. Farado? Uh, Jaron Fajardo. Fajardo, uh, yeah. a sophomore, 11 points a game, 4.3 rebounds a game, and then another senior, uh, Lauren Sato, 10.4 points a game. Um, she's pulling in three rebounds a game. Everyone hands out assists. Fajajo does uh, 3.1 a game and, and Sato 2.3. Then there's a steep drop-off, uh, about six points a game down to the next player. So it really it looks like that core group of four what stands out to me is you've got not only seniors, but you've got underclassmen who are certainly making significant um, uh, contributions to the squad. Absolutely. Um, I think our bench is still trying to find their niche. They're a little starry-eyed at times. We're still very, <laughs> I, I, you know, I really don't like to say we're young, but I think as you get on the court, you know, you want to please your coach, you want to do well, and all of a sudden your body freezes. So. As I look down at that score, as long as they're playing defense, some of the stuff that they're doing doesn't show on the box score. And it gives the opportunities to, like a Megan Charles, Jamie Hum Chicago, and Lauren Sato, and for Jaron Fajardo to get to get where they need to be to be the ones that show in the stats. So a lot of things that those guys are doing off the bench isn't statted, but we can see it, which is a good thing. Uh, 13 players have played in 70% of the games uh, at least, and and well, I think i got about eight here playing double digits in minutes, so at least a quarter of the game. So you're willing to go deep on the bench and give them the opportunity to learn um, and maybe even learn to fail f- as well to, to excel down the road. Absolutely. You need that. You never know when someone is going to get injured or something else happens. Someone's got to step up. Fajardo stepped up last year when our – our freshman point guard went down a couple times, um, maybe with an ankle injury or got hit in the head, and she came off the bench and just uh, did a, a heck of a job of coming off to being the, the one, now hence becoming the starting point guard this year. So uh, you got to be ready, uh, but more so, it's anything, it's, it's a mental thing uh, than a physical thing. 
Talking to Carol Jew, head coach of the Chapman women's basketball team. She's in the uh, WBCA center court. Uh, is we um, uh, thank them for their support and really, coach, it gives us a chance to talk a little bit about your history. As we mentioned in the in the lead up, um, only Chinese American head coach in the entire NCAA coaching spectrum. At the same time. You have been honored for for your work as a Chinese American at, in the game of basketball and especially coaching. What's it mean to you as a Chinese American to not only be honored but to be spotlighted in a sense of what your for your contributions to the game and and of course to your to your ancestry. You know, at first, I didn't. I was thinking when the historical society called me, Chinese historical society, I thought, you sure you want to honor me? It was with <laughs> Tiffany Chin, the skater, Michael Chang, the tennis player, mm. Norm Chow of offense and coordination, you know. Yeah. And I said, uh, are you sure you're talking to me? Because <laughs> I forget about that at times, you mm. know, uh, being of Chinese descent. I'm just out here doing, I thought, what I love. I graduated from uh, Claremont McKenna in economics accounting. I was on my way to be a CPA, and I was coaching at night as an assistant coach at Cal State Los Angeles, a D2 school. Then I went back to be an assistant at my alma mater. So uh, my head coach there, Jody Burton, takes a sabbatical, and I thought, hmm, if I I don't know, maybe I'll apply for some jobs and see what happens. But... I can be an assistant and then work, you know, as an accountant in the morning. <laughs> well, the Chapman job came up, and I said, I'm going to go apply for fun. If not, I better go to business. I, I've, I've sold cell phones. I've been a travel agent, a jack-of-all-trades, right? So why not? I'll just try it. Well, look where I am 14 years later. I'm still here. So I found my niche. <laughs> what it is is coaching young women. <clears throat> And I love basketball. Um, I still play it today in a 40 and over league, in an Asian 40 and over. I play with my sister. Our dad is 75 years old. He plays. My sons play. And that's how I met my husband on the court, coaching a Chinese Rotary Club. <laughs> so um, what I do in, for the community is I hold a lot of clinics for the Asian community of all ethnics. And um, it, it's to do those things and give back to the community who has been very special to me. And, I, and again, I didn't think about it being in an ethnic way. I thought more, I'm just doing something I love to do, play basketball, and I have a an, an avenue to do it. Um, have you seen, I mean, a lot of teams I see on the West Coast, especially in the Skyac, we see a, a lot of, of uh, Asian descent on those programs. But have you seen an increase of it, or have you seen an increase in in the in the Chinese um, American player, maybe a little bit more. Obviously, um, uh, the NBA player uh, just escaped my name right off the bat there, but had an influence a little bit too. But from your vantage point of being the head coach of a program, have you seen a little bit more of an increase there uh, in the ranks of basketball? I would I would say in the last twenty years, um, at least been one or two on each team. Um, you know, in a couple of schools with D one more Asian than just Chinese. I would say Asian all the way around, from Japanese, Filipino, uh, Korean, Chinese, um, and maybe a lot that are uh, half descent of Asian. And a lot of them have been playing in every division. Uh, in in L A itself, we had uh, James Hagia at USC, and then. 
and she owned, she actually played a little bit of pro. And then we have another one that played at UCLA who now also works, Natalie Nakase works for the Clippers. And so um, there, a little bit of everywhere where when I played maybe one or two in a conference and that was it. Uh, um what do others say to you about the fact that you're a head coach of a of a, of a college program that you're out there representing your heritage uh we should mention by the way that you were 3 months old when your family emigrated to to the to California from China um what what do people say to you about your contributions you know at first i was getting a lot of thank yous and i said for what yeah. you know i just think uh, when we have basketball and we use it as a, a way of life, and that's how I use it to teach these young women to be ready for the real world, I didn't understand the magnitude. I just did not until afterwards when you have alums that come back or you have um, parents that come up to you and just say, you know what, we, we thank what you're doing. I took a step back, a big step back. I, you know, you're talking about where we're from, the villages of China, uh, where there was no running water. And we went back this past year with my my kids and the family, and we played against my, my dad's um, junior high faculty outside in 90-degree weather. Mm. And I was like, wow, I'm playing with my son, playing with my sister, my brother, my dad, in 90-degree weather. weather. <laughs> and I said, wow, look what we are doing and what we do back in, in Los Angeles. Um, and then you have people... I, I realized my impact and that when I play on the court, I better not be a meanie out there. I got to, I got to hold my tongue, you know, when I play, <laughs> <laughs> because when I play, I'm very competitive. So, well, there's nothing but with, I, I'm very thankful. Well, nothing wrong with being competitive though. I, I'd hate to be your players if you ever wanted to prove a point to them. Um, I have a good feeling that you could probably still outplay some of the players you have on your team. Um, it's, it's great to see. I'm thrilled that, to, to, to read more, and I, I you know read quite a bit in the last few days about your contributions, and it fascinates me. What do you hope you can uh, can accomplish uh, with your program the rest of this year, or maybe the rest of your tenure? Uh, you know what, I'm I'm really trying to produce good good citizens, good kids that want to continue to keep playing. Back in the day, we thought once you finish high school and you don't make college, you're done. Yeah. There were no women's leagues. But um, through the Japanese-American um, back in the day where they had Manzanar, where they went to the internment camp, they built these um, leagues where it was Japanese only first, and then they started now it's all, all Asian leagues. So the opportunities to keep playing as we get older and to have a Sunday to have fun. It's like going to church. You play basketball, go eat breakfast together, and do the rest of the day. For me, it would be like going to practice later, but... It's it's a nice to get a sweat, play with friends, talk about basketball, talk about okay, what happened last night? Why did you guys lose? You know, it's it's uh, it's a great social thing. So I, that's what I'm trying to teach the present Chapman players. It doesn't just stop here. And what I try to tell them that how you practice is how you live your life. You know, you you got to come to practice ready to go. I know you've had three midterms or you didn't sleep. But in the real world, when your kid is crying and they, they don't want you to go to work, well, if you don't go to work, who's going to pay the mortgage? Who's going to pay that car payment? 
Yeah. Who's paying for your iPods and iPhones, right? So that's kind of like the parallel I'm trying to teach them. Interesting. And then trying to be that hard-nosed coach on them because they said, hey, you don't have to play basketball. But in the real world, you're really going to want to fire your boss or fire your teammate that you can't get along with. Find ways to make it work. And that's the whole reason of being in a team unit. You're not always going to like each other, but you're going to go to battle for each other. Uh, I meant to ask you, uh, what was your decision to to move from playing at Cal State Los Angeles to playing at CMS? Well, at Cal State LA had a great team, and I, I, you know, those girls and I are still friends today, and we still play basketball together. Um, but I, I don't think I was in the works. I had walked on there, and I actually had been denied from Claremont two years before that. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to try it again. So I, I contacted Jody Burton and I said, hey, would you still want me? I'm going to apply. And uh, ended up uh, trying to figure out things, if, if that was the right thing to, to do. And ended up, yes, uh, right place to be, great to learn through um, Jody at Claremont. Though my aspirations were not to coach, I was ready to go into business, but it kept calling. So sometimes it doesn't work out where you're at, but you learn a lot. And you learn how to be that great team player. I was number 15 on the bench at Cal State LA to being the starting point guard at Claremont, but being very empathetic and compassionate towards number 15 at Claremont, saying, we need you as much as, you know, everybody else Mm -hmm. on this team. So, and then doing that in coaching, knowing, hey, I know number 15, I'm not giving you playing time, but your your hard work and work ethic at practice is making my All-American better. Yeah. So that's how I learned from it. And everybody's an asset on your team. Fascinating point of view. Um, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Before we let you go, we always ask our WBCA Center Court guests uh, a few questions so we can kind of compare what coaches think to these, if you don't mind. They're, they're fun. No they, they don't have to be complex answers. If you don't want them to be, whatever comes off the top of your head. How's that sound? No problem. No All right. Problem. So the first thing is, what, do you, what, do you, what is your favorite thing about coaching, especially in Division Three? Favorite thing is just the, the day-to-day games thing, the day of game. Um, just being, having that excitement, because once the ball goes up on a jump ball, it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter if it's D1, D2, D3, or rec ball. It's competition. Yeah, good call. Um, what's your big, biggest pet peeve? Mental lapses. Hmm. I can see that. Um, yeah, not, not, not being present. Yeah, not being aware of what's going on, not being part of the game. I get you. Uh, what's your favorite rule or nuance in the game? The uh, the advancement. That's my favorite rule. Okay. New, new thing. Um, is there any rule you would want to see added, removed, or changed? Would there any be rule? Huh. I really like that we had ten seconds, but. Um, I, right now, I think we're we're pretty good. Pretty good? Um, yeah, you know, the only thing is, I think it's more subjective than objective is the hand checking. You know, mm. we're there's a you just don't know when a ref's gonna call what they're gonna call. Sure, so. I can see that. Uh, any pregame mm-hmm. ritual or superstition? I always. It's funny. I get dressed up for the games, and so everybody sees me in uh, sweats. So I always think I'm gonna wear sweats before a game. So 30 minutes before we meet the team, I put on my suit, my heels, uh, 
I'm in, in a dress, whatever it is, makeup on, hair curled. I walk in, half the people are saying, where's Coach Chu? And I love it because they can't tell who I am. <laughs> uh, I'm totally a different woman when I walk through. That's my pregame ritual and, and get myself ready. Because they're looking for the ponytail, they're looking for the sweats, and I come out four-inch heels in a skirt and everything else. And I, I've had it. Many people are saying, where's Coach Chu? And they're like, that's the one with the makeup and heels. <laughs> it's almost like you're putting on your uniform. Yes, absolutely. Uh, what's your craziest travel experience? Um, we were in Portland, Oregon. Let me tell you, it was snowing. Uh, didn't snow for, for weeks or months. All of a sudden, we're about to go to Linfield, and it usually takes 20 minutes. Yeah. It took over two hours because of a snow flurry. Had to, had to um, get a bus, and the guy drove, the bus driver drove 10 miles an hour. Oh. And we get there, and they said, sorry, you only get 20 minutes to warm up. Oh. I'm thinking, that's it? We ended up losing that game. We ended up missing our flight. Oh. <laughs> but somehow, someway, they got us on a different airline. And But I, you're talking about California kids who have never experienced that much snow. <laughs> and so it, it was the trip that we couldn't believe, but it was a crazy trip. Wow. So it was, it was good, though. But it was nice to experience because I said, hey, this is what's going to happen, and you got to be ready to play. And yeah. a lot of kids, you know, they weren't, and it was an example to make. So the next time we go somewhere else, you're ready to play. I don't care how long we've been in a, a bus, a train, a car, wherever. you got to be ready to go. True. Um, how would it, uh, your assistants describe you as a coach? Uh, I guess very intense. <laughs> very intense. Uh, just, you know, expecting perfection. Okay. Um, what can you tell a recruit that usually gets them excited to commit to your school? Well, we have the best Vegas buffet. Our dining hall is like <laughs> the best where you can get it. Because the freshmen, they'll, they'll get tired of it. And when they become sophomores, they're thinking, we miss that buffet in the dining hall. Nice. But when it comes to basketball... I just talk about how we, one year, we had nine players, and we went six and five at Christmas. And our tallest player was 5'10", and then we rolled 17 straight. Hmm. Everybody that where we traveled for NCAA looked at us and they said, are you the swim team? Hmm. Are you the soccer team? No, we're a basketball team. And we had one of the funnest years ever. And I said, and I tell them, if I can coach a 5'1 point guard, Lauren Kaneyama, to be one of the best that we've had to a 5'10 center and make them believe in themselves and win 17 straight games, I can coach you or anybody to mm. being great. Good call. Uh, finally, I think we've gotten a hint to this one. When you retire, what do you hope people will remember you as a coach? That, that through all the hard work, it was still all about fun. Nice. That's I, what I, I hope. I like that one. Coach, I really appreciate taking the time. Enjoy chatting with you. Uh, congratulations you. on the season. Congratulations on your career so far. Uh, certainly well-deserved honors as well. You represent your uh, heritage tremendously well. Um, not that I'm a judge of that in any way, but I'm certainly <laughs> impressed. We always give the coach the final word. Is there any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I'd like to thank you first for doing what you do in D3. Um, I think it's, it's one of the best uh, divisions to play for. I, you know, I've been at D2. I can't say I know anything about D1, but D3 is where it's at. 
it's it's you you could be the whole student athlete and still feel like you've given something to yourself and to your school. I've been lucky to play in it, coach in it. And if if you want a life and you want to to say you've been a student athlete and then go on to be a professional in whatever you do from physical therapist to uh, a teacher, a coach, this is where it's at and this is what you want to do. But you present, Dave, to us where um, your voice gives us so much more uh, and, and give us credence to Division Three credibility, respect in all the way, in all aspects. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate you coming on the show as well because it makes my job a little bit easier. But thank you very much. Congratulations and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. You gave me 10 minutes. I'm about to coach my son. And thank you for for everything that you've been doing again. Okay? Absolutely. Good Thanks luck. A lot. Good luck tonight. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Okay? Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Carol Jew joining us, uh, spending some quality time with us. Appreciate her taking that time with us. Certainly, as you heard, she was busy getting ready for something, and that segment went a little long, but I appreciate her taking the time. Fascinating story uh, there at uh, Chapman. Uh, we'll keep an eye on uh, Chapman and the rest of the Skyac the rest of the season. We're going to get going. We're going to come back. We'll go from the West Coast to the East Coast. We'll go from Chapman to William Peace, and we'll jump from women's to men's basketball. Follow along with us. You'll figure out what we're doing. You'll listen to Hoops Show presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division III. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division III. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, we got the Hoopsville mailbag segment coming up. No questions for it as of now, but if you have a question, email it to us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. We'll be sure to... Uh, Get that question answered here on the air. And again, for anybody listening to the podcast, whether you download it on SoundCloud or on iTunes, we certainly appreciate you listening to it. Uh, this is a chance for you to ask us questions when we're not on the air, and we'll answer them on a future show. So make sure you do that. Again, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. I'm going to switch gears, talk men's basketball now, jump down to the USA, USA South. If you haven't been paying attention to the conference, which I can understand considering everything else going on around the country, Greensboro's on top right now at 3-0 and and 9-4 and overall. Methodist is lurking behind them along with Farum, but it was a team that caught my eye, even though that technically they're not high in the standards. It's about how many games you play. They're 2-0, and so technically they're at the top. They're 9-4 and overall, certainly playing some good basketball. Um, their game against Greensboro was postponed from earlier this month. They'll certainly make that one up later on. But in the meantime, they just beat North Carolina Wesleyan last week, 90 or yeah, last week, 104 98, and are clicking along pretty well. So, have you heard of the William Peace Pacers? Probably not. But they've also got wins over Randolph Macon, Hamden Sydney, Texas Dallas, Hamden Sydney twice, or actually, they split with Hamden Sydney. They beat Roanoke 108 92. Have you still not heard about them? Well, you're going to hear about him now because joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by the City of Salem is their head coach, Claude Shields. Uh, coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. First and foremost, heck of a season here. I, I, I know a couple times I saw games early on and, you know, Emory beat you by 20. I said, okay, I probably expected that. But then you respond back by beating Texas Dallas by nine. I went, interesting. You beat Hamden Sydney. You beat Randolph Macon. It certainly got on my radar. And then I saw what you were doing in conference with a 2-0 and start made me wonder what exactly is going on with the Pacers. So thanks for coming on and maybe answering that for us. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Um, obviously, two of the last four you've unfortunately lost. You lost to SUNY Westbury uh, right after the Christmas break, but got back on the horse, as it were, beating Pete, Grins Pete Greensburg. Uh, the Greensboro game got postponed, but the North Carolina Wesleyan game was certainly a statement game for you guys, really high scoring. But it feels a little disconjointed. Is that a fair assessment, maybe because of that Greensboro postponement? Definitely. Yeah, we really, you know, we don't get a ton of weather um, in terms of snow down here in the south, but we got some weather uh, last week, and we were supposed to actually just play two games, uh, Greensboro and Methodist, um, and those games being moved kind of just threw us off, obviously. When you have weather, it just makes, it changes practice plans and game travel, everything. So um, we went for a little while without a game, uh, and so it took us a little while to wake up over in Rocky Mount against Wesleyan, but I thought we played really well in the second half um, to go uh, win a game where we had not had a lot of success, you know, albeit in our brief history, but we hadn't won there yet. Yeah. So Wednesday night was our first win over in Rocky Mount, which was big for us. Uh, obviously not playing this weekend, too, will kind of add to that disconjointed feel when everybody else is playing, and it's just a testament to the to the schedule, really of everything, um, as you say, the postponements and such as well. you got Methodist coming up on Wednesday on the road. You'll then play Averett at home. Averett certainly had a pretty uh, interesting start to the season as well, 4-11, um, and 11, but kind of, kind of gotten the, the things rolling in the last few weeks. Uh, then you got Maryville and Covenant to round out the season, and obviously we're still trying to figure out when you're going to get that. Uh, uh, it looks, yeah, you got to get that other Greensboro game in at some point. How... 
What's the message to the team here as things kind of get a little bit condensed, get a little bit tighter, um, and the schedule's kind of a little bit in flux? Yeah. Uh, I mean, for us, we were uh, coming back from Christmas break. Actually, in the Westbury game, we had some injuries. And any time you take a, a long break, uh, guys come back, maybe their conditioning has changed a little bit. But we had an injury, um, and so it was kind of a blessing in a way that we had those games moved because we've been able to have a little bit more practice time, a little bit more time to recover. Um, but now, I mean, the, the bad part of that is you get a bunch of games right in a row. Yeah. Um, but I think that we are, uh, with how we play, uh, the up-tempo, um, you know, we want to get a ton of possessions per game. We play, you know, 10, 11 guys. And, you know, at times when we talk as coaches with my staff, I mean, there are times where we want, you know, our 12 through 14, we think, or 15, 16, we think are really good. Um, and so that really helps us when we go, especially when we get deep into, like you said, the Maryville and the Covenant and the, uh, the back-to-back games that we have in conference play. You need a lot of depth to go be able to try to win two games in two days. So, I think that'll really help us as we go forward. Uh, but being healthy uh, is a step in the right direction. You know, knock on wood, that doesn't that never lasts as long as you may like. But uh, I think with our depth, that'll definitely help us uh, as we go through conference play because it is a it is a tough league. Yeah, I now see that Greensboro game has been rescheduled for the twenty second. Talking about back to back, you'll play Averett at home, then you'll play Greensboro back to back there. So that's what Saturday, Sunday. Um, with Methodist being on the road on that Wednesday and then followed up five days later, you'll be on the road at Maryville, followed by Covenant in back-to-back games. So that's kind of where things get a little bit condensed. And then you'll re- see Greensboro yet again on the 4th of February um, at their place. So, I mean, this is a team that won nine games, won 11 games, I believe, won 13 games, have kind of been lurking. Is this is this start to the season that we've seen an indication that this team is going to be at the top of the conference or at least maybe in the conference playoff and, and could maybe make a, 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 a first ever run to the NCAAs? I would certainly hope so. You know, we have, this is our, our fifth year as a, as a team, obviously with our uh, transition to being a co-ed institution. Uh, and the three seniors that we have um, were all um, instrumental two years ago when we uh, finished second in the league um, uh, to Averett. Uh, we actually were going up to Averett uh, the last weekend of the regular season uh, ended up losing by five. But three, the three seniors that we have all started in that game. Uh, and so they got to – it was an awesome atmosphere to play for a regular season championship, especially only in our third year. But then they got to, uh, you know, go through that on the losing end. Uh, and I think it stuck with them last year. Didn't have as good a year as we may have hoped. But, you know, they've improved. Uh, and they're really leading us this year without a doubt. Uh, so I think that just having that experience – and they played a ton of minutes for us, um, and really helped um, you know put our program where it is. So we're we're excited with what those three can do for us. And then I think we have some balance with uh, some new guys, some freshmen, and sophomores. We had the rookie of the year in the conference last year, uh, Cody King, who is a sophomore for us. So we got a lot of different guys who uh, we think uh, on any given night could help lead us um, on the offensive end. And then we got a bunch of guys who who can defend as well. So that's a a good combination. Yeah, you got uh, Chris Thomas, who's a senior, along with um, uh, Ryan Emfinger, a senior leading the way. Emfinger is uh, 16 and a half points a game, 6.9 rebounds a game. Thomas at six, uh, nearly 16 points a game, 4.8 rebounds a game. Um, Jalen Vince, uh, another senior at at 10.2 points a game, four and a half rebounds. And Jay Hicks, 
uh, a freshman sit, sits there fourth at 9.9 .9 points a game, essentially in double figures. Uh, five assists a game from Vince, by the way. That's always a number that jumps out at me. That's pretty staggering as well. So obviously a lot of senior leadership here. Um, obviously the guys who've come up with the beginnings of this program, they would love to do something to to uh, to leave their legacy here. Does that add pressure, though? Do you almost have to dial them back in some way? Uh, at times, I think one of the things that we really like to do, you know, I'm a history guy. That was my major when I was in school. So we love, and it, I think it fits in well with our program, just being new and, and starting it from uh, trying to build it from the ground up. But, you know, we talk about things that we've never done before. Um, you know, we don't put a ton of, you know, program goals in terms of let's win this many games, let's win the league, let's do this. Um, but we do talk about things that we've never done before. Um, and so one of the big things in that is, um, you know, obviously making it to the NCAA tournament. That's something that actually no one, um, uh, since we've been a, a four-year school, even back before we were uh, co-ed, um, none of our women's programs ha have been either. So uh, that would be a big thing for us. Uh, obviously, it's a big thing for anybody to go. But uh, we love talking about those never things. And, heck, I mean, they, my guys um, have heard it for I mean, back when it was for, get our first D3 win, you know, to get our first road win, whatever it may be, we still have those things that, you know, only in our fifth year that we still talk about. That gives us, I think, a little bit, uh, you know, more tangible things that you can control day to day, um, more so than the, the letting the big stuff kind of get you um, too out of focus. But I think that's something that our guys really respond to. And uh, it's been fun. You know, we don't, we don't hide from the fact that we haven't done things before because we're new. Uh, but I also think we're trying to make a name for ourselves to where we make people forget that we're, we're only in our fifth year. This is a large conference. It is, it is <laughs> large. Um, That's the truth. Uh, and 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 I'm being and I'm being generous in the sense it's not the men's side's smaller compared to the women's side. The women's side is ginormous. Yeah, the women's the women's side's crazy. Um, you have 11 teams in the conference. Um, you only play 14 games, so you kind of take the ODAC style where you play mm -hmm. a, a different set of a schedule. But how much, I mean, how, in, I'm trying to find the, obviously with a large conference, it's sometimes hard to gauge what to expect from it and what your schedule is going to bring to it. Thus, how hard is it to schedule out of conference? And I'm not even talking geography because I realize that's a, a factor too. But how hard is it to schedule your out-of-conference when your conference is so large it may be hard to truly grasp who may do what? Yeah, I mean, um, non-conference scheduling is very difficult for us. One of the things that we try to do being, you know, a young program is we want to go play, you know, the best. And, and fortunately for us, we have a, a really good league uh, right up yeah. across the state line in the ODAC. Just a little uh, bit. so that... Yeah, just a little bit. So that's a that's a good challenge for us. You know, we play we play we play more and more every year. You know, our conference is even expanding more on the on the on both the men and women's side next year. So we'll have a few less non conference opportunities. Um, but I definitely think that's a, a balance. You never get it right. You know, when you're um, trying to schedule, you want to play the the best of the ODAC, but you know, you kind of um, play who you can play. And we played the the Sydney's, and you know, we went to Guilford's tournament. Um, you know, and we've been there a couple years in a, in a row. Um, and so, you, you know, there's a lot of really good programs in a deep league in the ODAC. And so we, we really, a lot of it's kind of taken, I mean, you know, it, it's a lot of common sense in terms of, hey, we're going to go play at those schools. So that helps, um, I think, in that regard. And then we obviously try, we try to challenge ourselves this year 
um, going up to Christopher Newport's tournament, uh, and unfortunately, you know, didn't get a chance to play them in the in the championship game there. But um, just showed them a different aspect of things, you know, and you know, with especially like you said with geography, I mean, we make some some big trips in our conference play, so you know, we we stay relatively close to home um, in non-conference, but the beauty of it is we still get to challenge ourselves tremendously in that because there is a with the with what our conference schedule is we play we're not in divisions but we kind of have the north carolina and virginia schools of the usa south where we, which we play twice home and home uh, and then we have uh the schools you know piedmont maryville covenant lagrange huntington that we just see once um and so you kind of i mean all those programs I mean, um especially with maryville being who they are historically and, and this year have another good year you know, you, you kind of are knowing and in Lagrange. Obviously, what they've done the last two years has been um, last three years, I guess it is now. Um, you know, so the league has definitely improved um, to where you want to go get better non-conference because I mean, night in, night out, it's going to be pretty tough. Um, yeah, we won't even want to talk about the expansion of the USA South. <laughs> I mean, that's just mind-boggling in my head, but um, I can't get into it. But you, hey, if not only familiar, you're obviously familiar with North Carolina. Uh, you mm-hmm. went to University of North Carolina. You played for the basketball program. Of course, that was a little bit of a tease. You played for the JV squad. Um, <laughs> and by the way, that's respectful in itself. Um, to, to obviously, what can what what are you taking from that experience as as someone who at least was involved with the D one system, D one world? Yeah. And how are you using it here at William Peace? And furthermore, how do you how did you make that jump? To William Peace. That's not exactly, I think, on the radar of most people's uh, spectrum, especially coming out of a D1 system. Yeah, yeah. So one of the cool things, and that's what makes, I think, you know, when we're recruiting guys, it's a unique pitch because most, uh, now, that's a, it's a general statement, but a lot of the times you have, you know, Division three coaches, someone on the staff who, who either pull, you know, played at that school or at another mm-hmm. Division three school, you know, where, you know, until this year when we hired a former player, um, you know, I went to, to UNC and played JV there. I have an assistant who went to Duke and an assistant who went to State. Um, so we got the triangle covered in terms of Division One basketball. Um, but I think how do you get along? Uh, well, we we watch uh, we watch way more D three hoops than, uh, than okay. D one, so it makes it makes it a lot easier. Because I, I don't see how a Duke, North Carolina, and NC State guy could ever get along. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> well, uh, it it, do, it helps when it helps when uh, I, I have to, to throw this in there when Carolina beat State by fifty last oh. week. That helps. That makes it a little easier. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll but, see what you're saying. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, but yeah, so it was a um, you know I went and chose to do you know kind of the opposite of what we're recruiting now. You know, going to a small school and playing, and so you know I think that's a, a positive. You know, I know what it was like to to be in their shoes, but then to choose a different option, which is was a great option for me. I loved it. Um, kind of getting the feel of um, the Division One experience, and yeah, we, heck, we got to you know practice every day after the varsity team, and I was there in '09 when they won the national championship, which was awesome. Um, and so we get, I got to see that, and you know, when I was leaving UNC, um, you know, I didn't know much um, about Division Three. I'd been recruited by some Division Two schools, but when I left, uh, I knew I wanted to, to coach or go to law school. My dad's an attorney and, uh, he told me it'd be cheaper to, uh, go test out being a coach than, uh, going to law school, which was very, very true. Um, and so I, I got hooked on it at Guilford, uh, with Coach Palumbo for a couple of years. And, um, it was just when they were coming off the back to back final four runs, but, uh, was there. And then, uh, my actual former boss, um, or excuse me, former high school coach who became my boss, uh, was an AD here at Peace. 
Um, and so uh, I left Guilford to come here to Peace, and so uh, which is crazy, you know, only being 30, 30 minutes away from where I went to school and, and had an awesome time in Chapel Hill. Um, I get to now recruit uh, kids to come to Raleigh. Uh, and I, I shouldn't make fun of NC State because I want State to do well because when State football and State basketball does well, it helps my recruiting pitch. So, oh, um, nice. I need to – yeah, I shouldn't uh, gloat too much over that win. But uh, I think just having those – you know, being in a, a city and we're right in downtown Raleigh and having uh, kind of the the experiences that my assistants have had, um, you know, going to do going to State and we just hired a, a former player uh, who graduated in that first graduating class a couple years ago. Uh, it's a uh, – it's a neat to have all different types uh, to get to help kids and their families go through that recruiting process uh, because, you know, we did, uh, we each made our own choice uh, and there is no wrong choice as long as you find the right place for you. Well, before we let you go, obviously the start is good. Um, it's good for the program. You're nine and four. You've already met the win total from 14. You're knocking on the door of the win total from last year and the one before that. Obviously, you're in position in the conference right now on top, but there's a lot of work to do. Uh, we're kidding Definitely. ourselves if, if we ignore the fact you've still got, um, what is it, 12 games left on the schedule. Um, That's right. But is this a team that people should be paying attention to, kind of what I asked you earlier? That is this a team that's going to maybe shake up the USA South this year and, and maybe be the team to watch? Well, um, I hope so. Um, but I think that, you know, we, you know, having the run that we had two years ago, I think, you know, we got, uh, it was a, it's a fun transition to go from, I think the first two years we were in the league, we were kind of that game you circle on the schedule saying, hey, you know, yep. we're playing peace, home or away, it's going to be a win, uh, which is fine. You know, I think if you go back and look, even in our first year in the league, we went 3-11. and I mean, we lost multiple overtime games, I mean, down to the last possession. I mean, we, we played hard. We weren't the most talented bunch in the world, but our guys played hard and have always done it. Um, and then, you know, in our second year, almost won the league. So I think we got a lot of that attention then. Now, I think the league is certainly stronger uh, last year and this year than it was two years ago. But, you know, last year took a step back. I certainly think with the experience that we have, um, you know, our guys have been through it all. I mean, those guys, those seniors have played a ton of minutes and been in every – uh, every type of game, whether it's up 15 and you know have to hang on to a lead or down 17 with like four and a half minutes to go at Farron like we were a couple years ago. Um, so they've been through it all, uh, and I know that our guys, you know, regardless of, um, you know, I just told them um, on Wednesday night after uh, the game at Wesleyan that we found ways, even the, with our start this year, to, to win in different ways. Um, I mean, if you look at some of our box scores uh, a little bit closer, and two of our three – uh, or in two of our losses post Christmas, um, we went six for sixty from three. Mm. Um, you know, and against Westbury, we still had a shot at the end to win the game and, and just came up short on a three. Um, but you know, we rebounded it really well. We're top ten in, in the nation off the rebounds per game, which helps when you if you miss some shots. But um, you know, I think we do have a team that can uh, continue to get better um, as we go throughout the year and. It's going to be a fight. I mean, going down, I mean, the three games we have this week will be tough, and then we got nine more after that. I mean, it's going to be a fun challenge I know our guys are looking forward to. So hopefully we're still in it at the end, but uh, I know that, um, you know, if we're not, then hopefully we'll get a chance to go into the conference tournament and, you know, win a couple games in three days to, to make that uh, NCAA tournament a possibility. 
Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us and chat about your squad. Uh, they've certainly stood out to me, and, and I was fascinated, so I wanted to get a hold of the Pacers, and I'm glad I chatted with you. Obviously, as we said, 12 games still ahead, and there's a lot, technically half your season still to go. Uh, <laughs> right. a, a little bit of a condensed thing here, but I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Definitely. Well, I, I need to check until I, I see that the, the Packers finally won. Not a Packers fan, but I was trying to follow along that as I uh, as I talked to you. I uh, just wanted to thank you for everything you do for D3 Hoops. It's been a, a pleasure to, you know, as we've grown our program to always, you know, we get to read about, uh, you know, the uh, the games across the country and the NCAA tournament and everything. And to be a part of it, I think, as we uh, grow and get better is, is awesome for our program. So we appreciate you uh, noticing us and uh, giving us a chance to come on and uh, talk about um, what we're doing here at William Peace. But Thanks again for all you do. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate it as well for coming on the show. Uh, Good luck the rest of the way, and we'll look forward to talking Pacer basketball in the future. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right. Claude Shields joining us from William Peace again on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, Again, they got Methodist coming up on the 18th and then back-to-back games against Averett and Greensboro. Um, So a bit of a busy week, but really, really a busy schedule the rest of the way for the Pacers. We'll see how that shakes out. We'll see how the USA South shakes out um the standings are a little con- a little bit tough to understand but basically greensboro's on top with william peace greensboro's three and oh and william peace is two and oh then methodist and Ferrum are second at three and one and then piedmont at three and two followed by maryville and averett at two and two so that's kind of an idea of where things are shaping for them i'm gonna take a break when we come back we'll switch back to the women's basketball and talk to the number two team in the country gp gromacki joins us from amherst why they may be better than they've ever been before and why it's all about the defense and why he's also not looking much beyond his own team. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville when we come back. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. 
Now go out there and take it. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. It is Sunday, of course, and uh, we're on air every Thursday and Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. But if you can't listen to us live, catch up on demand or check out the podcast. You can download them on SoundCloud or, of course, as well on iTunes. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll have a mailbag segment coming up. Your emails drive that mailbag segment, so send them to us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. And, of course, we're Facebook Live uh, broadcasting as well as on YouTube. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. And, of course, uh, we're on Instagram as well, promotional reasons mainly, or to see where we're traveling. You can find us at uh, on hoopsville at d3hoopsville. Of course, we probably waited a little too long to talk to one of the top teams in the country, but that's because two of the top teams come out of the same conference. We don't want to talk NESCAC basketball every week, do we? Well, on the women's side, it, you know, it's almost impossible. Tufts' number one team, but right nipping on their heels is number two, Amherst. Uh, we haven't gotten a chance to see them face off. We're going to have to wait just a little bit longer, but that doesn't mean we're not going to try and chat with them anyway. And joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville hotline is G.P. Gromacki of the number two Amherst women's basketball team. Coach, welcome back to Hoopsville, sir. Yes, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Should mention everybody, this is pre-taped, just due to everybody's schedules, just to let everybody know we aren't live. But uh, first and foremost, another one of those seasons for you guys. You're fifteen and zero, running right along, uh, defeating Wesleyan and Connecticut College at home this weekend. Uh, not what the men could do, which is obviously what we've been talking about on the show. But you're clicking right along a seventy-one thirty-three victory and a sixty-nine thirty-five victory. And not that I ever know it's easy, but it certainly seems to be easy at this point. It appears that way, but uh, we've been talking a lot that the hard work, you know, the team did in the off season, and uh, you know the chemistry going right now. That to the you know casual fan or even you know the more experienced fan that just looks at scores thinks it has been easy, but uh, it's been a lot of hard work um, going into it, and then you know the result has looked, you know, again, pretty easy, but it hasn't been that easy. Sure. Uh, the most points you've given up this season are 62, did it on two occasions, once against Babson, who's obviously a pretty good squad, and then once against Chapman uh, on the road out west uh, in that game, the, the the random trip, or then you played Suni Antianta out there as well. Uh, otherwise, you're holding your, your opponents pretty low. Randolph-Macon did score 59. I know defense kind of drives the ship for you guys, but how good is the defense this year? Uh, it's as good as I've seen in my 10 years here, uh, you know, when we're clicking. I think we finally have got a unit um, that plays well together. And, uh, you know, that's why we've been holding teams down pretty well. I think it, it finally kind of clicked in the second game out in California. Like, wow, these guys are kind of, you know, in sync. And it's kind of taken off since then. Your your team has usually a very balanced roster. You have three seniors on it, um, three juniors on it. Uh, I believe it's three sophomores, interestingly enough, and then a whole host of freshmen. You always seem to reload. You never seem to have an off year. What's been the secret to not only being able to do that, but keep that defensive uh, synchronicity com- uh, going at all times? Well, it's something we stress, and I think just as you're coming up through the ranks, you know, in your first year, you're starting to get adjusted to what we're trying to do. And if you can pick it up fairly quickly, you, you know, you get a chance to play a little more. Uh, and as each year goes on, you kind of learn the system a little bit better. And, uh, you know, hopefully you're ready to go. 
When you're out there on the recruiting trails, is it now to a point where they know who Amherst is and they want to come because they want to win, or do you still have to sell the school to some extent? Well, I think it, it, it depends where the player is coming from. Um, and also, you know, in New England, I think a lot of people know Amherst. Um, you know, if you're looking at a D1 school, you might not know much about Amherst. So, you know, we're recruiting a wide variety of players from throughout the country. Um, we're a little more east, you know, specific right now. But um, I think it depends on the player. I mean, obviously, we have to tell them a little bit unless they do their research. Uh, talking about your team, again, we talk about a mixture of players. You do have a senior in Allie Doswell leading the way at 14.3 points a game, hauling in five rebounds a game. Sophomore Emma McCarthy, not, uh, nearly 10 points a game and 6.1 rebounds. Hannah Hackley, a junior, 9.7 points. Madeline Eck, 7.7. Uh, she's a freshman. Meredith Dowswell, a senior at 7.2, and Jamie Renner, a, a senior at 7.2. Everybody's grabbing rebounds. Everybody's handing out assists. There's nothing unbalanced about this team. It it, it seems like it's clicking in all cylinders. I heard from a, a birdie before the beginning of the season that said, don't be surprised if Amherst goes undefeated and rolls right into the national championship game this season. Was there a sense that this team was special at the beginning? Well, you know, last year helped build this team. Uh, you know, we had a great run and made it, you know, back to the Final Four after, you know, being away from it for a couple of years. Uh, and it kind of made the group hungry going into this season, and they really kind of just run with that. Uh, looking at this the schedule, uh, obviously you're into the next CAC section of play. You do have non-conference Lehman coming up. Uh, on the 23rd of January, but you're on the road at Bowdoin and Colby. Bowdoin looks like a pretty formidable foe, 11 and two on the season. Not a lot of, uh, maybe a lot of eyes on Bowdoin right now. What are you looking at when you see the weekend ahead? Yeah, we're just you know preparing for this weekend and for the trip up Maine, and you know those are two really good teams. So um, and that's what we're getting ready for in these next few days. What do you think this conference looks like? Tufts on top, obviously undefeated, went to the national or championship game last year and returned pretty much everybody. Middlebury's kind of reemerged into the fray. Triddle, Trinity's in the conversation. Bowden is lurking. Even Williams and Connecticut College. Everybody with double-figure victories is who I mentioned. This conference is kind of interesting this season. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a couple teams, like you said, reemerging, kind of working their way up. Um, and then you know some of the usual suspects definitely at the top but uh i think it's a, a well-balanced league this year and uh like i said some teams have made some good strides you are outscoring your opponents 75 points a game scoring to 41.9 against this might sound like a strange question but how do you keep everybody interested in 40 minutes of basketball when you're in so much control especially outscoring your opponents by 34 points a game on average well, that's a great question. I think, you know, the right answer would probably be that uh, when someone else comes in the game and gets a chance, they're trying to prove themselves. So they're working just as hard and, you know, trying to show maybe they could get some more playing time so we keep people hungry um, no matter who's coming in the game. What's this team about? What do we not see in the headlines or in the stories or when we look at the box score and see the leading scores? What, what don't we see in that information that makes this team click? Well, I think they're really focused um, on the goal uh, after falling a little short last year. I think that's a big plus. Uh, they get along really well off the court. They're they're a fun group. They definitely like to joke around uh, quite more than some of my other teams, I think. Uh, maybe that kind of keeps the situation a little light. Um, 
and they're really competitive, um, and they compete at all kinds of things. So, you know, there's more than meets the eye, but there's, it's not just one thing. It's just a, a well-balanced team on all aspects. How do you keep them focused on the next game? Granted, Bowden's 11-2. and two. I think that one kind of sticks up and says, hey, you can't forget us. But you did just play Wesleyan, who had a sub-500 record in Connecticut, who's around 500. How do you keep them focused on the game at hand so you don't get into what you know the, is nicknamed the trap game or get into a scenario where they're not focused and maybe can stumble? Well, I think they just want to win every game they play. So it doesn't matter who we're playing. Um, you know, when we play someone, you know, we've had back-to-back games. We've had, you know, every other day games. Um you know, a trip out west, we've had some different challenges, and, you know, so far this team's been up to the challenge. Talking to G.P. Gromacki here, women's head coach for Amherst, number two team in the country, pre-taping this ahead of time. Um, coach, obviously we talk about the schedule at hand. You don't have a ton of games left compared to many people. You've already played 15. Obviously you'll have the conference tournament ahead, et cetera, et cetera. How much do you hope you're what, – what did you do when you when you got the schedule put together? How, how did you try and – and, and build it? Were you hoping that this would help build you towards NESCAC play, or were you looking at March? Um, you know, we're always preparing for NESCAC play, but we're always looking at March. So, you know, we want to be playing our best basketball at the end of the season, and hopefully we can do that. Obviously, a lot of headlines in women's basketball in the offseason and, and the start of the season. We had Baruch uh, with their investigation talking about trying to make their, their team competitive on a national schedule by doing some shady things. And then you had the Thomas Morris scenario. How much have you followed those two cases, and how much have you taken them to heart? Very little. I mean, I, I don't know much about you know the, those situations. You know, let the NCAA handle that and... Uh, you know, we really haven't talked about those things as, as a team other than maybe looking at an article here and there. But, uh, you know, that's not for me to judge. You know, we're just trying to do things the right way here and, you know, get our team ready and, um, you know, look look at those things rather than looking back at maybe what happened in the past somewhere else. When you look at Amherst, obviously the men have been a top-five team for much much of the season, though they may fall after a tough weekend, stay in the top 25 most likely. What's it like to have two programs of such national significance on the same campus, using the same gym, you know, working together? What it, the, I don't want to say you ever feel pressure, but do, you, do the two of you, are you able to um, commiserate in any way and, and enjoy the experience in any way together? Yeah, uh, well, we have our offices are right next door to each other, myself and Coach Hicks. And, uh, you know, I get along with their assistants really well. You know, they're, you know, two of them were former players. So I, I remember watching them play when they were at Amherst. Um, so, yeah, we get along well. You know, sometimes it can be tough because I want it at a certain time and he wants it at a certain time. But we work around each other's schedule. Even though he says I always get what I want, but you know, don't believe that he's a, a, a KG veteran. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure I could get two different stories, maybe three different stories on every question. Uh, is there a rivalry? Is there is there a little bit of a rub it in kind of factor? Hey, 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 Dave, I'm number two this week. I mean, is there a little bit of that this in between you guys? No, nah, we don't talk about that stuff at all. <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, you know, we always shared a little bit to joke around. We, I mean, we definitely joke around, but you know, not about our own teams. Um, you know, we joke around how I pick the Patriots win the Super Bowl every year, and whether I'm right or wrong, hopefully <laughs> this year I'm right. But uh, you know, that kind of stuff we definitely have a, a fun relationship with. But about you know, talking about our own teams, we'll just 
uh, you know, talk about each other's team and individuals. And obviously, I definitely learn a lot from him and, and get some insight and some basketball knowledge from for sure. Before I let you. Before I let you go, I'm kind of curious about something. Obviously, this is your third stop. Um, yeah. You were at St. Lawrence for a number of years. You, you had a quick stop at Hamilton after a, a run through uh, being an assistant in D1 for a while. Now you're at Amherst. Yeah. What is it that has made Amherst so successful? You've always been successful. At St. Lawrence, you only lost 30 games in eight years. You've now only lost 24 games in the 10 years so far at Amherst. But what has been so significant about Amherst that has that has allowed this program under you to excel so well. Well, it it, it has it's a great school that cares about athletics. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. You know, if you look at most of our teams in our athletic department, they do really well. Uh, you know, football team is always strong. Um, you know, the soccer team, you know, won a national championship. Men's team, um, not this year, but the past season. You know, men's basketball really helps our program go. So I think that's a, that's a big thing is, you know, having a school with an academic reputation like Amherst that cares about athletics. Uh, you can attract quality student athletes from around the country. And, uh, you know, we get the right ones that uh, want to come here and, and enjoy competing at the highest level, trying to win national championships, but also enjoying um, the benefits you get from an Amherst education. Uh, the the mascot name has been going through some interesting moments. The Lord Jeffs has been scrapped. We've been calling you the Purple and White, or maybe the Big A for a while. Uh, we've got a list of semifinalists. I realize you may not pay attention too much to this, but of, of all the semifinalists, do you have a favorite? Or are you rooting for any of the names that are in there? Well, I mean, for the semifinals, how many are on that list? I think 25. Okay, well, I'm rooting for the Purple A's because that's what my son really wanted. Oh, the Purple Aces? Um, okay. No, Purple A's. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, but it really doesn't matter to me. I mean, some of those I get a kick out of. Um, you know, one of my assistants uh, actually played football at Amherst, and I've been joking with him lately about the hamsters. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's definitely not our first choice. <laughs> uh, but I laugh. How, you know, the football team's going to come out with a hamster on their helmet. <laughs> uh, but, that, you know, every. It's not up to me. It really doesn't make that much of a difference. Um, some of them sound really good, and some of them, honestly, between you and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want it at all. <laughs> I, I can't blame you, Coach. I'm looking through this list. It's actually 30, and there's some in here. I'm like, no, please, no. Right. <laughs> well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy today, so I appreciate you getting the opportunity to pre-record with us. Uh, great to catch up with you. I know we'll catch up with you somewhere down the road as we start looking at March basketball. Obviously, 15-0 is nothing to sneeze at. I know it's not easy for your team, but you certainly make it look easy. Um, obviously, we're eyeing that Tufts game in a few weeks, but in the meantime, there's more basketball to be played, so congratulations, so far as always we give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in no like always it's a pleasure speaking to you guys do a great job covering division three basketball so i'll keep it going and uh you know hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime this year definitely thank you coach coach gromacki joining us from amherst again the the purple and white are 15 and O on the season three and O nescac play big game against Bowden coming up this weekend along with colby obviously the trip to maine for those uh and we got tufts looming but it's still a few weeks away that will be a big matchup by the way if you want to see some of these semifinalists aces amethysts for example hawks irradiance luminaries mammoths 
You should check them out on Amherst's website. It's an interesting list, to say the least. Uh, plenty more basketball to, co- to talk about when we come back. Plenty more. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoopsville right after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. This is our It's On Us pledge. It's on us to make a personal commitment to help keep all people safe from sexual assault, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or ability. Not to be bystanders to the problem, but to be leaders of the solution. We invite you to join us in this campaign by informing your campuses about the It's On Us mission. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Cheer for the stumbles. The he should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Awesome, thanks. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Thanks again to Coach GP Gromacki for joining us. A couple of things uh, running a little bit behind, but a couple. we have two more segments still left. We've got a segment on Central Region Women's Basketball, and, of course, we'll also talk Atlantic Region, mainly on the men's basketball side. That's all coming up, so we'll go a little into overtime, but not much. Last chance for any questions that you have for the mailbag segment. If you have them, send them to us. Send them to us now, or they won't make air. But, again, if you listen to this on the podcast, whether it's iTunes or if it is SoundCloud, and you have a question you'd like us to answer, do send that to us. Um, and we will answer it on a future show. That's the whole idea of the mailbag segment. It does not have to be specific to tonight's show. It can be about a show down the road. That is hoopsville at d3hoops.com. All right, so let's talk uh, more women's basketball. Let's talk about the central region. If you haven't been paying attention, the CCIW is having an interesting race so far. Wheaton's on top at 5-1, and one, but they're not alone. They're tied with Illinois Wesleyan and Augustana. Augustana is 12 and 3 on the season. They have already outdone the win total for any year in recent history. They are off to a 12 and 3 start, as I mentioned. They are on top of the conference. The last time they finished in the top half of the conference was 2003. The last time they won the conference was 1993. Clearly, things on Rock Island on the women's side have changed 
But what exactly has changed? Well, let's check with their head coach. Coach Mark Beinborn joins us here on the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. Uh, so let's ask, what what is what has changed? 12-3, and three, we haven't seen 12 wins out of this program in a very long time. Well, I, I think that, you know, the I, I have some pretty good players uh, to coach, and that, that helps our, our work ethic. Uh, the culture has definitely changed, and I think that's one of the things from day one uh, when we took over that we, we discussed is we had to, had to change the, the culture first, and then we had to start getting the right kids in. And, um, you know, again, the kids have bought in. The, the chemistry is great, and uh, the, the work that they put in in the offseason has been tremendous. And conference, I mean, you've gotten a win over Whitewater this season in non-conference play. You've got a win in, against Central in non-conference play in Dubuque. Obviously, IAEC is, is, is tough, and you know that as well. You also mm-hmm. have a loss yeah. against Dubuque, uh, unfortunately split with them. Um, but then you got back on the horse and you beat North Central in what would be a low-scoring affair for them, 86-79, and then put 102 points up on Carroll. Um, obviously, we've got a lot ahead of us, and we'll get to that. But... Um, even with a three-game losing streak, which could derail everything, you're, you've gotten two wins back from that streak. This feels like the team's got a lot of confidence. Yeah, the the kids that we have, um, even in the recruiting process, we recruited kids that came from winning programs, kids that were on ranked teams in state and so on. And and I, I we talked about it last year. We had a lot of close losses and. Um, a lot of freshmen playing in those, those games and uh, had a young, inexperienced group, and we knew they weren't discouraged by it. They just were, were, were determined to work harder. And uh, they know how to win. They're confident down the, game, or down the stretch of close games. Uh, they're unselfish. They look for each other. And, and, and they, believe, you know, they believe that they have a chance to win every night to step on the floor. Obviously, you got Illinois Wesleyan ahead of you, which we mentioned tied in the conference right now, and you've got Milliken after that. Then, interesting enough, you got Illinois Wesleyan on the other side of that. <laughs> interesting scheduling uh, in the CCIW this season. Um, home first against IW, then on the road. That all takes place in a span of a week. I know a lot of coaches who say, listen, we're just taking one game at a time. But how do you keep the players focused on one game at a time when so so much is going well for you? You know, um, I wish I had a great answer to that question. I, I think that every day all we talk about is right now. You know, it, it is one game at a time. We know who's up next. We don't even talk about who's after that. Uh, we don't talk about what else is going on. Uh, we, we mention every day when we're in that, in that gym on that court for an hour and a half that we're here to – get better and here's what we're preparing for and this is what we need to do and i i think again when i talk about the buy-in um we're at a point where we're starting to hear a lot of things we repeat come out of the mouths of our players and once you start getting to that point and they're saying it to each other they're reminding each other on the floor and once you get to that point i think that again their their focus is in the right place and i think it just helps because all, all they care about they just want to go out and play uh, they they love playing. They love playing together, and I think they're just focused on uh, the task at hand each each night. You've got four seniors on the squad, but just one junior. And when I look through the roster, I can't avoid seeing how many underclassmen are on this squad. No matter what this season turns out to be, those younger players are gaining this experience and 
maybe even changing the culture to understand, no, we are a winning organization now. We don't know it any other way, essentially. Um, how important is it that those underclassmen are the ones who are helping kind of turn the direction of the ship? Well, it's vital. And, and you know, the interesting part about that is uh, one of our seniors, and, and out of the four, two of them transferred in last year. So, you know, even for them, what has happened, the past was the past. It was irrelevant to them. Our two seniors that have been with us for four years, uh, we had a meeting early in the year just to talk with the freshmen about work ethic, different things, expectations. And Olivia Mayer, our, our senior point guard, stood up and she's like, the reason coaches' expectations are so high for you is because this sophomore class came in last year as freshmen and worked harder than anybody in this program has. And, and she said, they made me work harder and they have made me a better player. And for a senior to stand up and give credit to pretty much an entire sophomore class, just unselfishly and giving them credit for that work ethic and creating that, uh, I thought we, we walked out of that meeting and I, I talked with my assistants and said, that tells me we have a chance. And uh, I think that's been the, the big key. And they've, they've pushed that. Uh, they've made everybody else better. Our freshmen have just latched on to that. Our upperclassmen have, have just, you know, taken the baton and, and, and done the same thing, and, and everybody just puts in work and works hard, and this is what the, the expectations in the program are for anybody coming in. Well, it speaks, too, when you look at the box score, your, or your, your season stats. Of your four leaders, two of them are sophomores and two of them are seniors. Uh, mm -hmm. Corey Riley is your sophomore, 13 points a game, while she may only have three assists, I mean, three rebounds a game. It's her shooting that's dangerous, 42% from beyond the arc, 46% from the floor. She obviously hands out uh, a little over an assist and a half a game. Then there's a senior in Casey uh, Kallenberger inside at 12 points a game and 12 rebounds a game, which is just amazing stat for anybody, plus 46 blocks on the season, which averages three blocks a game. Um, Izzy Anderson, a sophomore, 11.8 points a game and four and a half rebounds. And then back to another senior in Michaela Fallon, 10 points a game, 3.7. Actually, I hope I have Anderson and Fallon's classes correct. Um, correct. You know, so you, so what she's speaking of is clearly there in the stat sheet, yep. too. I mean, you're getting contributions from these underclassmen in, in significant ways. Yeah, and, and I think that, again, the, as hard as they work and as, as tough as they are, our, our upperclassmen respected that, and, and they know all those kids want to do is win. You know, they, they came into the program at, at, a, at a difficult time. They trusted me, and when I told them, here's the, the plan. You know, we, we aren't going to do this overnight, and there is a process to it, and you have to stay with it. And those two seniors that have been here four years uh, are the two stuck it out, weathered the storm, and they just wanted to get kids in here that were like-minded, worked hard, and just wanted to go out and compete and, and play to win. And uh, once they got those kids, uh, they, they opened their arms up, welcomed, you know, welcomed them to the family, and and uh, things have just, you know, continued to get better. Talking to Coach Beinborn, uh, head coach of the Augustana women's basketball team. Uh, obviously, the men's program has had a lot of excess over the years and continues to have excess to this day. And yep. A lot of times we see that rub off. We had Amherst on uh, in the previous segment, and obviously those are two powerhouses in men's and women's basketball. Right. How, 
Is there a reason? And what I'm getting at is sometimes we don't see it rub off. And I think Augustana is a great example of that. As, as great as the men have been, the women have kind of been on the opposite side of that. It, are there reasons for that? Is it just that sometimes it just flat out doesn't work that way? Well, you know, uh, personally, I've absolutely embraced the men's success. You know, I, I never felt like I had to compete with them um, I just said, this is what we want to be. And what they have is it's not just a good team. I mean, that's a program. You know, that's year after year. They reload. Uh, kids come in. Again, expectations on how to work and what it means to be a Viking and, and to be part of that program. And I, I haven't been shy about uh, saying that with our players. You know, this is what we expect. This is what we're building for. And I think the coolest part, is I've seen our players and the men's players over the last year, you know, now they're all, they're watching each other, they're supporting each other, uh, they, they get along where before it wasn't always like that. And, and I also told the players early on, respect has to be earned. You know, there's no reason in those first couple years, I said, there, we have to work harder to get to where we want to go. And as we put in the work, respect will be earned. And but I, like I said, I've, I've absolutely embraced what they've done. I've watched in my first early years, I, I sat and watched their practices. I have notes from watching, watching Coach G's practices. And, and uh, you know, I'll continue to watch and get, get ideas. And um, yeah, so I, I've never shied away from his success. I think it's great. Their success is great across the board. If we're all successful in every program at Augie. Uh, you know, the better environment and culture we have as a school. You were a two-time All-IIAC Conference selection when you played at Dubuque. Uh, you were a two-time captain. You went on to play some semi-pro ball in Wisconsin after that. What drew you to the women's game? You know, I just love to coach, and I, I had an opportunity when I was in Madison to, to help out at, at Edgewood uh, with the women's program and jumped on it and um, I, it's coaching, you know, I, I'll coach kids. I, I, I love our summer camps. I'll, it just doesn't matter. I just love to coach the game. And as I've coached the women's game more and more, I just love, again, we preach family. And I think the, the willingness to give in to something bigger than yourself on that, on the women's side and being part of something special is, um, something that, that these young women have, have just been able to do. They've accepted. They've, they've again, bought in, and uh, I, I've really enjoyed that part. Um, ten games left in the season, obviously all in conference. This conference is interesting this season. There are, uh, the, the worst record is, is Carroll at 1-13, but after that, back to the original CCIW, Milliken at 7-9. and nine. So everybody's playing well. You got five teams already, or four teams who've hit double figures in, in wins already. Again, you're tied with Wheaton and, and Illinois Wesleyan um, in the standings, and obviously you have two games in a week against Illinois Wesleyan coming up. Uh, lovely quirk to that schedule, to say the least. Um, what what should we expect from this race? Can I, I said it earlier? You know, I hadn't finished in the top half since nine oh three. Uh, haven't won the conference since oh three or ninety three. Can this team do it this year? Can they pull it off? Or I mean, at least the goal is to get to the conference tournament. Yeah, I, I mean it, that's that's been the big goal is top four make conference tournament because anything can happen from there. And, and we knew from where we were starting that that was 
ultimately what we're aiming to do. And we want to put ourselves in a position every year to win conference. These kids, um, they believe they can, and I believe in these kids. I, I, now, the, the part that we can't uh, predict is this conference is it's going to be a, a battle every night. Um, those teams you mentioned that uh, are right there at the top as well are nationally competitive teams year after year. Uh, and if you go to teams that we haven't mentioned when we're talking Carthage, Elmhurst, and, and you know North Central Park, I mean, all these teams have um, very good players on it. They're, we're all going to go through some adversity and some injuries or different things at the time, but everybody can play. And we have to Stay focused, come to practice every day to get better, continue to put in extra time, get in some extra shots, come early, whatever it may be, and continue to do what we've been doing and continue to trust each other. And can we do it? I, I definitely think we can, and we believe we can, but we know that it's not going to be easy. But um, we're going to keep working, and uh, one game at a time, we're going to go out and play hard, play together, and have fun. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the show and talk about your squad. Thrilled to see the Vikings uh, back in the conversation after so many years. Um, I think pretty much can be assured this may be the first time we've talked Augustana women's basketball on the show, and it's thrilled to do that. Uh, and so I appreciate you taking the time to come on here, and I, I wish you luck. The CCIW battle will be fun to watch the rest of the way. Uh, as always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be watching? Well, I just want you to know we uh, we definitely appreciate all that you guys do. I think that the promotion of Division Three sports and, and what has been done to help continue to make it grow and the awareness and the support has been great. And and, and we're absolutely honored to be on the show. I'm I I, I watch it every week and and uh, you know have been uh, a fan of D three hoops since the day it the day you guys started. So thanks if you do. Well, thank you, Coach. You're appreciated as well. Uh, good luck, like I said. Looking forward to seeing the rest of this play out, and hopefully we're talking to you down the road as well. All right. Thank you very much. Take care. Mark Beinborn right, joining us here from uh, Augustana. Again, the Vikings women's squad. 12-3 and three on the season. We at Three Hoops have records going back to 06-07. That's the last, and none, nowhere in that do we have a 12-win season. Uh, the closest we have is um, 10 games last year, 11 games back in 2012. That's it. You go to their record book, on the other hand, and you can certainly go further back and see where they are in terms of wins. Um, the last time they were in double figures outside of that 2012 season with 11, they were at 15-04 and uh, when they finished 6th in the conference. They had 14-9 and in 03 when they finished 4th in the conference. 14 and 11 and 02 when they finished third in the conference. This is a significant year for Augustana women's basketball. 12 wins is the most wins they've had since 2004. Uh, three losses is the least they've had. They've never had a season where they they lost um, less than six. I'm sorry, less than four. So this is a significant season playing out right now at Rock Island on the women's side. Um, it'll be fun to watch how this plays out the rest of the way and how the CCIW race with Illinois Wesleyan and Wheaton and the rest plays out as well. Thanks, Coach, for coming on the show. When we come back, we'll talk Atlantic Region. We'll talk to Ira Thor, Sports Information Director at New Jersey City. He got to watch a thriller yesterday against Ramapo. We'll 
Yenjack and the rest of the Atlantic region with him as well. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I want to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm to be a student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now and take it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you got any questions, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Join us on Instagram. Uh, during You can always see what we're up to there. Uh, we tweet out our, or send out on Instagram our, our guest lists. We send out uh, when we're traveling uh, pictures and where we're at and all that stuff. So follow us on Instagram as well. You can also, uh, we mentioned Facebook and Twitter and all that course there's the hoopsville mailbag segment won't be doing that today apparently because we don't have any emails from anybody um but send us your emails and we will answer your questions in the hoopsville mailbag especially um that mailbag is um for those podcasters of you who i know there's plenty of you listening or even those watching the show on demand who can't watch it live and get your questions answered live send us an email hoopsville at d3hoops.com and we'll find uh, we'll try and answer your questions on an upcoming show going to jump back in the Atlantic region. We were hoping to talk to Newman's men's basketball coach here. Unable to do that. They're certainly one of the hotter teams in the region, uh, despite taking a loss, uh, as we mentioned uh, last week, to um, Rutgers Camden 68-67. They went on to beat Immaculata 92-79 and Centenary 95-56, so they're 14-1. But they're not the only one in the uh, Atlantic region who are certainly worth watching. We mentioned earlier uh, the great game between Ramapo and New Jersey City. Ramapo taking their first loss of the season as, as the Gothic Knights defeated the Roadrunners 76-71 overtime. So we figure we'll start there and we'll introduce you to our newest regional reporter from the Atlantic region. It's Ira Thor, Sports Information Director of New Jersey City, joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Welcome in, Ira. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Glad to be able to contribute to the show. I appreciate you taking the time. 
First and foremost, you saw a heck of a game yesterday um, between the Roadrunners and Gothic Knights. And uh, obviously, it, it lived up to the billing. I'll admit, there was some of us, like myself, going, oh, please, just just, just live up to it. You know, don't, don't, don't fall apart we hoped it would be. But it, it ended up being a pretty solid top 25 matchup. No, it was a fantastic game. The only uh, negative part was that it was still with the uh, the kids off campus. They hadn't moved back in yet, so the crowd wasn't what it was earlier in the year when we played Newark and teams like that. But it was really a fantastic game, one of the better regular seasons that I've been a part of in the 16 years I've been at the school. And uh, ironically, I, I, looking back on the records, it's actually the first time we ever had two ranked teams play on our home court at the same time. So huh. it, it lived up to the billing, and I appreciate Gordon Mann coming up uh, from the Philly area and broadcasting the game for us and uh, had a heck of an ending. And, uh, I mean, I tell you what, I thought we were going to pull away there at one point in the second half, and Ramapo, uh, they, you know, true to their ability, they, at the end there, kept battling back. We only scored one field goal in the final eight minutes. Wow. And they score Ramapo once we got to overtime. Um, and we'll talk about how it got to overtime. But once we got to overtime, they scored the first four points and went up uh, 65-61. And I'm thinking to myself, this may not end how we wanted it to. And we got a second win at the right time. Yeah, these both teams are interesting. They both play really good defense. Ramapo maybe not as touted for it, but certainly plays solid defense. Um, both teams have the capabilities of changing gears if necessary and hitting the floor and, and hitting the accelerator if absolutely necessary. This was, though, more of a defensive struggle, 76-71 in overtime. I mean, that's a scoring affair. Well, this is what we do as a team. I know you had Coach Brown, Coach Mark Brown on the program back in December. Um, you know, we, we got guys who could score on, on the Gothic Knights this year. Um, guys, uh, a couple of them were back from last year. This team is about defense. I mean, if you look at the teams that we played this year that put up close to 90 points a game and how we've shut them all down, you know, 20, 30, sometimes more points below their scoring average, it's what the team does. It's what Coach Brown preaches. They play a very uh, frustrating, smothering style of defense. They switch a lot. Um, and it, it gets, you know, very difficult for teams to be able to adjust. Two losses that we've had in the league. Uh, Montclair last week, uh, where we just didn't have it offensively, and we, you know, and Coach Brown does not like to ever make excuses, but we had a lot of guys dealing with the flu, and then as everybody knows, on we lost you know, to that on the road at Stockton, three-time defending conference Wednesday, and we only had two healthy starters in the game. Two two guys didn't even make the trip, and our point guard in the game was on one leg and spent the next day in a nice bath. So, you know. We, we really only have one loss this year where, you know what, where we got beat because we, we you know, Baldwin Wallace beat us on the court that when we had 100% strength that day. The other two losses this year, you know, we got beat by Montclair and Stockton. Good, great job by those uh, two programs. And, you know, it, it's tough to win when you don't have all your pieces, no matter how good of a team you are. Um, this, this game here, what was notable was Ramapo. That was the lowest, lowest scoring total in regulation this year at 61 points, uh, 61-61 at, at the end of regulation. Um, and they finished with 71 points overall, which the only game they scored less than that this year was the Salisbury game. Um, so you could see what kind of a defensive struggle it really was.
Uh, you teased us about how this game got into overtime. Before we get to the rest of the end, Jack, uh, do, do, do tell us. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we only scored once in the final uh, eight minutes. There was a, a big three-pointer by uh, our sophomore guard, Quan Worthy. But that was it. And, and Ramapo, uh, they were able to get a bunch of second-chance opportunities in the game. Uh, and then the final stretch, about 30 seconds left. We're up by two. We took... Uh, we had a chance to wind the clock down, and uh, one of our freshmen, who was probably the front runner for rookie of the year in the league, um, made a made a mistake. And he shot a little too early. We didn't burn enough clock, and it gave Ramapo enough time, and they got the ball back with about 27 seconds on the clock. Went down the court, uh, about five six seconds to go. Put their first shot, missed. Hip did not go. Third opportunity. And um, uh, Sultan for Ramapo was there at the right time, put it in with that 2.1 on the clock and sent it to OT at 61. Uh, so it was you know, great job by Ramapo and Coach McBreen's squad to persevere there. And In overtime, they scored the first two. Um, what was notable in this game was Thomas Bonicum, who's had a fantastic year for the mm-hmm. Roadrunners. Uh, and he's you know, shooting way over 50% on the year. We held him fairly in check. You know, he still got his 17. He's still going to put up his points. Most of them were from the line. He shot just 5 of 15 from the field in the game, partially because he was matched up with uh, Chiwe Wosu. He's our he's a graduate Jack defensive player of the year last year. He was one of the guys who did not play against Stockton. We had the flu. Still not at 100%, but he wasn't going to miss this game. Mm-hmm. Um, the shot, Bonacom hit a big shot, though, in the beginning of overtime, a nice turnaround jumper to give them the lead, and now, at that point, that's when things started to change a little. Harris for us, and, and Gordon Mann mentioned him in the, the, the national wrap-up yesterday. Uh, Harris is the big uh, senior scorer for us. He's third in the league in scoring. He was just two of nine from the field in the game, and then he just took the game over. He scored. We, we scored 15 in overtime. He had nine of the the other six, and he was four for four from the field in OT. The other six points were scored by the point guard that I mentioned before who was hurt against Stockton, Atta Robinson. And Robinson probably hit perhaps the biggest shot. Uh, we're up by one uh, just a shade over a minute to go. One second on the shot clock, he hit a, uh, a step-back three from the right arc. We go up by four, and we're able to finish him off. Uh, so those two leaders combined for all 15 of the points in OT. But Jalen Harris, he really stepped up in a big spot. He's, he's from Maryland. Not too far from where you are, uh, drove his family drove up, you know, in, to watch the game this week. You know, he he gave them a treat there, four for four in OT, and that was a big part of the win. What do you make? These, Go ahead. I, I would say both these teams, but I think proved you know what we were all thinking anyway that they deserve to be ranked. You know, I hope you know you and I obviously are both voters. You know, I hope others who do vote you know, take a look at the quality of game this was, and also. With the losses that we have had, taking a look at the fact that we obviously were not anywhere near 100%. So, you know, that's a factor there. But both these teams deserve to be ranked. And, you know, I was talking to Gordon Mann yesterday. He, he had asked if any team had ever gone to the league. And, you know, I know NJCU a few times have gone 17-1. to Patterson has. It's very difficult to go through the NJAC schedule once around unscathed, let alone twice. And, you know, Ramapo, we now, with this game, that's the ninth game of the year, so we've gone around once. Uh, they're 8-1 and one in the league. 
and two. TC and J, who we'll talk about in a little bit, is seven and two. So there's a lot of good basketball left to be played in the league. You're not going to go through, you know, an entire NJAC schedule without a chink in your armor. Yeah, I want to get to the rest of this conference, and, and obviously we got the other conferences to go to. So let's just quickly talk about this. Obviously, Ramapo's on top. Conference fourteen and one overall. New Jersey City now sitting in second, tied with TCNJ at seven and two in conference. Um, TCNJ is one of those other teams that everyone has said has going to be good, but they're kind of lurking at eleven and five. Montclair is a surprise right now at eight and seven and five and three. The other surprise, Stockton, down at nine and five and four and four in conference play. Obviously, it's hard to get through the conference without a chink in the armor, but at the same time, you got to be careful if you are a New Jersey City or you are a TCNJ. If you want to get out of this conference without winning it, you know, if, if we're going to assume Ramapo takes the AQ, you got to almost stop the bleeding a little bit here because you can't have any more losses. Is, is this conference capable of at least getting a couple that rise to the top and separate themselves? I, I thought all year this year would be the year that this was a two-year, I'm sorry, a two-team bid in, in the NCAA. I, you know, you and I talked last year. I kind of thought that we deserved a, a after we were uh, NJC, we were the uh, regular season champions and got upset by TCNJ in the semis at home. And I, I still thought we deserved to be in the postseason last year. Didn't get that that uh, that that at large bid, and they went on to win the ECACs, but. Uh, I think there's enough talent, especially this year, to deserve at least two teams in the NCAA, regardless of who they are. TC and J, uh, they're only two losses right now. They lost to Ramapo last week, and they lost to us early in the season. They're good, though, and I, I don't think people realize how good the Lions are. People better not sleep on TC and J because they're capable of beating anybody at any time. They're 5 overall right now, 7-2 and two in the league. I think they may have the best trio of the of best players Overall, between Bobby Brackett, Corey Stanford, and Eric Murdoch Jr., uh, Brackett for them came off a devastating injury last year. Would have been his true senior year. He's having a fantastic year. Uh, he's fourth right now at sixteen and a half per game. He's the league leader in rebounds at ten and a half. He's the only player averaging a double double. He leads the league in field goal percentage at close to sixty-one percent. So he's fantastic. Uh, Corey Stanford's a new piece they added this year. I think he's a transfer from Catholic. Uh, he's sixth in the league in scoring, rebounding, and then Eric Murdoch Jr., who was the player without those other two guys on the floor. He was the, the weapon that single-handedly knocked us out of the NJAC tournament last year. He's tenth in the league in scoring. He leads the league in assists at five and a half a game, and he's got a really impressive uh, 2.0 assist to turnover. Uh, looking at some of the other teams real quick, people shouldn't sleep on Rowan either. Rowan, they took a couple losses this week. Uh, to be said, they're, they're without Sean Wilson. He's their leading scorer. He leads the league in scoring uh, at 20, about 21 points a game. Uh, and they average game as a team. So Rowan at 10 and 6, 5 and 4 is, is they're, they're a team of, uh, capable of upsetting some squads down the road. But Montclair is at 8 and 7. You mentioned Stockton, um, you know. Obviously, change in coaching this year with Coach Matthews retiring. Um, kind of. Them and Mo- <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Scott was lost. Scott was leading that team just as much as as anybody else was. And obviously, Scott's been a, a big part of that equation for a long time and helping to, them to the uh, three championships that they've won in a row. Um, they lost a few pieces from last year, but you know, Stockton's a team that I think will be there. 
you know, in, in the final six, six make the conference tournament, and you know, they're obviously very dangerous. And then you got William Patterson at eight and eight, and four and five. So there's there's some other teams lurking there, but the top three, you know, Rampo and us, and I think TC and Jays just below the two of us at that very, very capable and very dangerous. Uh, we'll come back to the end, Jack, quickly, uh, talk women's at the very end, but I want to jump into some of these other conferences. Let's look at the skyline. Farmingdale State's on top at 5-0, and 9-5 and overall. SUNY Purchase has got the best record in the conference, uh, in overall conference, 10-4, and but they're 4-2. and Yeshiva's Though granted, they're on a break right now. They won't get back into play for a little bit. They're eight and five, four and one. Mount St. Mary's is four and one in the conference as well. Yeshiva, just for the record, played their last game on January second. They won't play again until the twenty third. It's part of the part of the school schedule. Um, obviously, this is it, this is a huge difference, and it doesn't go very deep. Um, but it feels like it's Farmingdale State's to lose at this point. It probably is. It's. Uh... I would assume right now, the way things are panning out, that it's probably a one-bid conference this year. Uh, I think those of us who root for underdogs are probably rooting for Yeshiva so yeah, they sure. can pull it out at 4-1. Yeah. That'd be a fantastic story, especially if you know the academic uh, you know, regiment that they have over there. But, uh, you know, Old Westbury has perhaps the best all-around player. Uh, they have a 6-3 senior guard, uh, Jamel Stanley. He leads the league in scoring. He leads the league in rebounding and blocks at 6-3. So he might be the best player in the league, um, but in on the men's side they split it into two divisions. So you got Farmingdale and Yeshiva both in the south, and then you got Purchase and Mount St. Mary both in the north division. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Farmingdale State, based you know on on their start right now, probably would be the favorite as here. But uh, you know, I mean, Purchase has had some pretty good teams in in recent history and. Who knows? With uh, you know, still probably about ten games to play here, they're going to be a team that might emerge. Well, let's jump over to the Freedom Conference. Mac Freedom it is a uh, logjam at top. DeSales, Eastern Delaware Valley, Norm, all three and one. Del Valander, a new head coach, eight and seven overall, but three and one in the conference. Eastern, eight and seven and three and one as well. Florham is six and nine, yet three and one. And DeSales is the best of the, of the group at 11-4. and four. What's really surprising is Misericordia got off to yep. such a terrific start. Uh, they're now 10-5 and five and 1-3. and three. It's almost like the wheels have come off of this the train a little bit. They've lost three in a row and four of their last five. Misericordia was one of those teams that you and I vote, I think, fairly similarly, where we have our top 25, and then we had that next group of teams um, that I got watch list of. Mm-hmm. 10 to 15 teams uh, that I'm considering voting for. And Misericordia, for the first four weeks of the season, was consistently in that top third of those watch teams. And never quite made the cut for me. They were very close. but And then, actually, NJCU ended up, uh, by chance, playing them in the game of the Albright tournament. Uh, and we beat them uh, in that tournament. And Misericordia is a high-scoring team at 88 points a game. Um, but yeah, in the last week, they took three straight losses. They lost by one at FDU Florham. They lost by five in a shootout uh, at Eastern, uh, 12-107. Yeah. Uh, and then they lost uh, at home to Del Val, 83-70. to So I'm not sure if I, I haven't been able to see if there's any injuries with, with uh, Mr. Cordy with the Cougars, but, you know, that's unlike what they've been playing earlier in the year. The sales, though, is probably a new match. 
right now, to me, is the team that I think stands out. They're second in the league at scoring at 81 points a game. They're first in scoring defense at 68. Uh, so the sales, and they've obviously had some, some pretty good teams in recent years, um, might be the team that rises to the cream of the crop here. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch this freedom race. What's the sad part for Misericordia is they've lost teams that are now ahead of them in the conference. So they're yeah. going to have to dig themselves out of a hole to make the four-team conference tournament. Um, they're currently sitting in sixth, tied with Wilkes, with Kings behind them at 0-4. So that's going to be a race that's going to be fun to watch. Um, CUNY's got an interesting race. Staten Island, who's 10-6 and overall, is 8-0 in the conference. Baruch is 12-4 and and 6-2. and um, they're tied with CCNY, who's also at six and two. This one, uh, this one looks confusing, to be honest. I'm not really sure what to make of the CUNYAC this year. I think team here, and I give you know Coach Potosa a lot of credit here. He has challenged this team. This oh yes. Year. I mean, you look at the team. That we, obviously, we've I've seen them firsthand. Van Island as they uh, played us in Jersey City on the 26th, um, but. You know, they started the year in Salisbury. Uh, they lost to Salisbury 83-65. They finished fourth in that tournament. But that was a tournament that featured Salisbury, Johns Hopkins, and Cabrini. Yeah. So he, they definitely challenged themselves. They played, uh, played Stevens in December. You know, Stevens usually is a pretty good side. Um, they, I don't think people realize, is, is, yeah, on the island, on Staten Island, to Wagner, D1 team, um, they lost by 50, but you know that's one of their losses here on the schedule here overall. That 10 and six, and then they had a, a pretty competitive tournament. Their tournament of heroes that they host every year. And in the past, it's usually a well-run competitive tournament. Uh, they, they beat Bridgewater in the first round of that. Then they lost to Middlebury, uh, who's obviously nationally ranked 70 to 59. In the final there, so you know, Staten Island, you know, eight zero in the league right now. I think you have to credit the fact that the tough schedule out of conference to the fact that they're winning all their games and, and doing so with pretty wide margins within the league right now. Uh, Baruch and CC and Y is six and two. You know, Baruch is probably the next best of the bunch, um, but again, I, I think this also like the skyline this year probably is a one bid league and i would be very surprised if it's not Staten island and then you got the uh cuny i'm sorry the csac uh newman's on top they just took their first loss of the season as we mentioned uh earlier in the week to uh rutgers camden who then went on to lose two in a row rutgers camden's had a tough season but newman's eight no and it's 14 and one overall cabrini is behind them a game and a half um at six and one, ten and four, Gwyneth Mercy's two games back at six and two, twelve and three overall. Those are certainly the three that are they're rising to the top. Of course, Gwyneth Mercy last year made that uh, upset Marietta in the first round, and then had a great battle with Oswego in the second game tournament. Rosemont and Immaculata are at five and three, so they're lurking, uh, but they're both seven and eight overall. And Rosemont, I know, lost yesterday. You know, Newman is certainly what everybody who's everybody said was going to win the conference. Is is that? the take we should take when we're at this point in the season still? I think they're the best team still. I think that loss to Rutgers-Camden left a lot of us scratching our heads, especially those of us who are considering where, if anywhere, they belong in the top 25 poll. Um, that's going to weigh heavily on my decision-making when I when I vote uh, tonight. I mean, Rutgers-Camden was 0-14 at the time. Mm. 
That's oh, that's a loss that if you're a nationally ranked team, I don't care. No, nearly beat Ramapo. Yeah, well, you know, Rutgers Cavs, the credit to them, they're playing much better basketball right now, but they were still 0-14. Yeah. If you're a 14-0 team, 13-0 team, you cannot be losing to a team that has not won a game yet. If you're to a 500 team, I think that's a little more understandable. That You can't have your first loss to a team that has not won a game yet. Um, with that said, you know they're still 8-0 in the league. You know, it's a league that... You know, in recent years, has obviously made deep runs in the NCAA tournament with Cabrini. And, uh, you know, I think it's six and one. I don't know what to make of Cabrini right now. They're ten and four overall. You know, they won their last three games. You know, obviously Gwen Mercy with the success that they had last year in the NCAA could also be there. You know, but I do think right now that Newman is going to be challenged. Cabrini probably would be the front runner, and yeah. you know, they put up the record right now to justify that. Um, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, I, I, I need to do a little more of a deep dive on Newman to, to get a better sense of what's going on there, but this conference is is clearly not over. Um, we'll figure out how it plays out. And quickly, we love to hear about all the women in, in, the, in the Atlantic region, um, but we've had a lot of the women's guests on recently, and we'll get back to it. But because you're out of the end, Jack, I did want to get your take on it. Montclair State also took the Ramapo um, experience this weekend by losing for the first time. They're now tied with Kane at seven and one overall. Kane is ten and five. State is is fourteen one. I should say seven and one in conference. Kane kind of returning after uh, years of of of, of uh, well, we won't go into it, but they were in the naughty list. Um, Stockton is six and two. They've lost two here this week. Um, struggling a little bit though. They beat New Jersey City, where I know you saw and four. And then there's Rowan, TCNJ, and the rest. You know the the top of this has gotten interesting, and Kane has reemerged in the mix uh, for the first time in several years. I think Kane is the biggest surprise here. You know Montclair going in, you knew yeah pretty much what what you had at the Red Hawks. Karen Harvey's team is always is very well coached. She always has. Uh, you know, gets gets the most out of the Red Hawks. I personally still feel that Stockton is the team that's going to win this league. I just have a feeling about the, the Ospreys hmm. this year. I think uh, with uh, Nasha Treadwell and Sasha Williams, they have a lot of size. They average almost seven rebounds, uh, sorry, seven blocks a game as a team, and they're still very young. They only have two seniors. Stockton does one of whom starts. You know, at eleven four, six and two. I know. I, I think down the stretch, they're the team that's possibly going to come out of this but you know you can never doubt montclair state they're 14 to 1 7 to 1 they play fantastic defense how our team you know the gothic Knight on the men's side our defense is always among the best in the country you look at montclair's women right now they're uh, giving up just a shade under 48 points a game mm. their scoring margin is 17 and a half per game you know they're a very balanced roster montclair is they got three freshmen Three sophomores, five juniors, and three seniors. So, very balanced team. Obviously, I, I would assume that Coach Harvey uh, strategically recruits that way, so she has that balance. Um, you know what? The, the loss that they had uh, was to TCNJ. You know, Dawn Henderson's team is always very good, even when they don't maybe have the talent. I don't think they have the talent this year that they typically do. They play hard and they play intelligent, high IQ basketball. Uh, a 49 40 loss. I can't imagine yeah. the last time that Montclair did not score more than 40 points. 
Um, it's a halftime score for them. Uh, I mean, that, that's just incredible output right there. That was only 49 to 40. Um, you know, there goes the Montclair defense, obviously, again, not giving up more than 50 points a game, even in a loss. But yeah. what's significant here is this Wednesday, Montclair is going to host Kane, um, and they're both 7 1 in the league, as you said. Game that down the stretch is probably going to have a lot of significance. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it could it could even determine home court. It could even determine a few things in the NCAA. So, um, and you mentioned uh, Kane. I should probably just touch on them. Uh, they got Mariah Bacon last year. She was the national leader as a freshman in scoring at twenty five points. Wow. She she's hasn't lost much this year. Even though everybody knows that she's the biggest weapon. She's still averaging twenty two a game as a sophomore. Uh, they have a a five eleven freshman center, Amin Bond. Uh, She's been the rookie of the week a couple times. Uh, she's averaging 11.5 boards and 9.5 points per game. So it's a nice uh, weapon that they have as, as a newcomer there. So, you know, they're they're probably the biggest surprise right now. It'd be tough to see, you know, I'm sorry, interesting to see what they do against Montclair this Wednesday on the road. And I think that'll be tough for us to see exactly how good the Cougars really are. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, sir, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. We're whipping through the Atlantic region as we did. Um, I always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts out of the region we should know about? No, I think that's uh, we covered it pretty well. I obviously appreciate the fact that uh, you know, I was able to join your program as a regional reporter and look forward to coming back some this year. Um, obviously, I mentioned earlier, thanks so much to Gordon Mann for coming up from Philly in the snow yesterday to uh, the broadcast, our game against Ramapo. Um, hopefully everybody enjoyed it. It was an exciting game. I'll tell you what, you know, as an SID, you're, you're not really supposed to cheer at press row, and I never do. When we hit that big shot in overtime, I couldn't help but stomp my foot on the floor because it, it was an exciting game, and, you know, that was, uh, that was a very interesting end right there. But I, as coaches say all the time, Dave, thank you for what you do, my friend, because you give – Division three basketball, a voice that it really deserves. And uh, I don't think you get enough credit for all the work that you do. So thank you. Well, thank you, Ira. I appreciate it. We'll get you on, obviously, later in the season to whip through it again and, and get an idea of what's going on. But at least you got a good game to watch there on Saturday. And we'll look forward to the rematch, obviously, up at Ramapo. And uh, have fun the rest of the season, sir. Thanks, my friend. Ira Thor, again, joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to whip through the conferences in, in the Atlantic. I think the Atlantic's a little bit just more complicated than people realize. There's a lot of good teams in there, especially on the on the men's side. Women's side, I think, is going to be fascinating to watch, too. We didn't give it a lot of time there. We've had a lot of women's guests on. That's kind of the reason. Uh, we'll do that again. We'll get more regional reporters. I say that often, and I know I fall flat on that, but we will do our best to get more regional reporters on the show. Uh, down the road as well. Um, we're going to wrap things up here. I want to thank our guests for coming on, but we'll do that momentarily. I want to give you a couple notes. Don't forget, again, we're on the air every Thursday and Sunday night, 7 o'clock um, every, every one of those nights, except for two occasions coming up. The first will be the Hoopsville Marathon on February 2nd. We'll hit the air at 10 a.m. Eastern, and we'll go until 10 p.m. Eastern. We are starting to work on our guest list for that and look forward to uh, talking Division Three basketball in all facets during that show. It'll coincide with our fundraising efforts as it has for the last three years. Uh, we are working to finalize our fundraiser and get it running once again, and we hope that if you think we do a good enough job and, and deserve uh, some assistance from yourself that we would do so so kindly. 
Um, also, the other night, uh, the other show that we will not go on at seven o'clock will co- will be following that on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, the fifth of February. We will not go on it at seven o'clock because everybody wants to see the game. We're not that crazy. We'll go on earlier in the day, like one or two o'clock in the afternoon, that time to be decided. So stay tuned. Uh, other note, you'll notice our studio. It's in a little disarray. You may not notice it as much as I do, but we are going to be uh, reorganizing the studio. If you have anything, if you're a team and want to send us any paraphernalia to decorate the studio, please do so. Email us or tweet us, and we'll get you the uh, information to send um, so we can decorate the studio just a little bit more. Uh, we do have a few things, like New Jersey City and Ramapo have sent us jerseys. We are going to get those hung up here in the near future. Um, again, thanks to our guests for coming on the show. Uh, we really appreciate them taking the time. And, of course, their sports information directors for helping us as well. And, of course, uh, they, they start with Carol Jew, the women's head coach at Chapman, who was in our WBCA Center Court segment. Claude Shields, the men's coach from William Peace. G.P. Gromacki from Amherst Women's Basketball. And Mark Beinborn from Augustana Women's Basketball as well. And, of course, thanks to Ira Thor. Uh, for the Atlantic Region uh, report as well. And, of course, um, we have uh, all the SIDs of those four institutions as well to thank. Uh, Don't forget, Thursday we'll be on the air, 7 o'clock Eastern time. We'll talk primarily East, um, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West regions, but we'll also have the NABC Coaches Corner. Uh, If you have guest ideas you think we should talk to, email us or tweet us. If you have a, a question for us, email us in the mailbag. Hoopsville at d3hoops.com, and much more. Top 25 should be interesting on both the men and women tomorrow. We talked about the men's and and why, with so many losses, how it could be an interesting challenge. But even on the women's side, on the women's side, there were six losses in the top 25, which is a lot for them. But in the the, uh, receiving votes category, there was another eight losses, and two teams took two losses. So the women's side will be an interesting, I think, a little bit, maybe not as much. On the men's side, back to them again, there were one, two, what was it, four teams that took two losses. Now, that's a lot uh, to, for voters to decide. It'll be fascinating to see how it all plays out. So that's going to do it for Hoopshill on this Sunday evening. We're going to sign off. Hope you enjoyed the show. Again, on Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. But you can always watch the show on demand or download the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. And we hope you enjoy those productions as much as the live version. Um, again, don't forget to email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. If you have any Division Three basketball questions, we'd be happy to answer them. Thanks to all the guests again for coming. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. You've been listening to Hoopsville presented by uh, d3hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. We'll be back with more Hoopsville on Thursday evening. In the meantime, enjoy a good game of Division Three basketball, whether in person or online. It's good, it's fun, and we're having a great season. So enjoy it. Back with more on Thursday. Good night, everybody.